All right, hello, welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. This is one of our specials, what we do. My name's Stephen Hill. This is my good friend Renfrey Deadman joining me as he does every week. Hello, mate. Why do you like doing that with your face? What's that about? <laughs> I'm just leaning on my face. <laughs> yeah, you look like a sort of... Um, stroke a, victim. Yeah, he's a toad um, stroke victim. That, that's what I'm going for. <laughs> it's good. Saturday afternoon and we don't normally do this on Saturday I afternoon know. and I feel strange. You're hungover, aren't you? No. Oh, okay, fair enough. Well, I'll tell I you, had an early night last I, night. Did you? I'll tell you who is hungover. Our guest today joining us is my good friend and compadre um, from the Life in the Stocks podcast and many, many other things which we'll get into it's mr matt stocks matty matt cheers how, boys how are you doing cheers. drinking a corona yeah, while drinking we're having, a corona while and we're it's having uh, tea and coffee left over from my stay here last weekend it, yeah. it's seven o'clock in the morning i could go into a bathroom matt we'll get to that later Do you know what this reminds me of this reminds me of the team rock days because i was thinking this on the way here we haven't actually jumped on the mics together we haven't in uh, you did quotation marks there for uh, for, for those not watching yeah. everyone which is everyone five years four years yeah it was um, 2014 so uh, for a little bit of context people listening Matt um, used to be on Kerrang Radio didn't you Matt I did and yeah you, 2010 to 2013 that was your first sort of big break in the music biz and then you became my producer. I went from the top to the very bottom, <laughs> very bottom, just like that. Overnight. When I when I was the uh, when I was the breakfast host on uh, on Team Rock Radio, and I'm sure we will give some people some interesting tidbits on that as we go through the oh, show excellent. today. Excellent. You might say, Renfrey, I taught him everything he knows about broadcasting. Yeah, we took like, a weekend. Nothing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> a weekend's worth of chat that was lovely stuff. And okay. um, yeah, so uh, so basically, Matt's joined us because we thought it'd be interesting to get someone else do like a little podcast crossover because Matt's podcast life in the stocks which I've mentioned a swap cast a swap cast, a swap cast. Yeah. Very nice. which I've I've mentioned a few times on Riot Act uh, due to the excellent interviews you do with excellent guests he's only um, saying that because you're here no, Rem, you, that's not I, true. I'm not even going to joke about I'm it joshing. actually because it <laughs> is joshing. very, very good. Um, but uh, before we do that, before we get into chatting about sort of how podcasts and um, online media has kind of usurped the traditional media outlets in the music business, Steady um, on. well, no, well, this is what we're going to chat about. Isn't it? Ha- has it? That's Steady the thing, on. isn't it? Has yeah. it? For and um, against, right there. For and against. Yeah, there we go. Um, we actually didn't something we didn't do on the weekly show, which we should have done when it happened. Steve's pointing at me very, very angrily. We should have pointed out because um, uh, Matt's a massive fan, and you wanted to talk about this. Pete Shelley from Buzzcocks passed away just before uh, the end of the year in 2018. I was thinking this on the way here as well, and I'm sure you two are the same. When someone that you hold so dear passes away, it does kind of weirdly affect you on a personal level. And what I do every time someone, either you know, like an actor or a musician, when they go, you sort of reassess their whole body of work, don't you? And you go mm. down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And you actually maybe listen to stuff that you didn't already know from them before. Yeah. You go all in. And I've been doing that for the last couple of weeks and just like realizing what an absolute genius the guy was. Like he was a pop mastermind. Yeah. Mm. So good. I think he doesn't get the credit he deserves. Everybody's obviously like the pistols, the clash, the pistols, the clash. Yeah. And for me, the four OG like UK punk bands that knocked down the wall and got it all going was the pistols, the clash, the damned and the buzzcocks. Fair. Yeah. Fair. And I think out of those four, the buzzcocks are probably the least respected and critically acclaimed. And everybody obviously knows the one song ever fallen in love, but if you go into just well, I brought some visual. Yeah, aid. Matt's actually got some amazing vinyl because you're. I mean, your your vinyl collection is the envy of 
well, of me. At least one man, and that man is me. Um, but um, but you've always got like you're always hang, hanging around with like loads of really cool vinyl just on your person. I've noticed, and you've Must done be a it bitch today. to carry around. I imagine. Well, I used to, the reason I started buying them, I was at university, and I used to DJ vinyl. I got into basically oh, okay. playing um, old punk on mm-hmm. on vinyl because I went to Exeter and the. The social scene there was just cheese. Like you'd go to a bar or a club and it would be the Baywatch theme tune and there'd be rugby players with their tops off. Mm. And that was all there was. And I was like, fuck this. Like if there's nothing here, I'm going to start a scene of my own that I would like to go to. And then hopefully there's other like-minded people out there that will come. And so I started buying vinyl in around 2005, I think Mm. it was. And there was two really great shops in Exeter, I believe are still there. Rooster Records was one. And then one was in like this arcade. And uh, the one I'll show you here. So this for everybody listening who can't see, is Spiral Scratch by the Buzzcocks. And this was when... It's just Buzzcocks, isn't it? You're putting a the on the front, which you shouldn't be putting. I am. Shouldn't be doing that. I, should I shouldn't be. You're a rebel. No. Right, right, yeah. right. But then it just sounds weird if you go buy Buzzcocks. Do you know what yeah. I mean? But that's what they that, want, isn't it? They Apparently, yeah. like, now, um, apparently they got pretty shitty if you put a the at the front of it. The Buzzcocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those guys. Yeah. Oh, yes. The Buzzcocks. Apparently, they don't like that. Anyway, sorry, I've, I've, I've interrupted <laughs> just to bring. Well, corrected. Put, yeah, corrected. corrected. Yeah. Semantics. I stand corrected. Live so. semantics on the <laughs> Riot Act podcast. This is Spiral Scratch. This is when Howard Devoto was still singing in the band. He mm-hmm. obviously went on to form Magazine. Yeah. Um, and it's the first, and this is a fact. I think a few people have tried to contend this, but it is a fact. You can look it up. This is the first ever independently released record in the history of UK music. So this, you could argue, is the birth of indie, of DIY. That's cool. Of all of it. it. And what's great about it is the Buzzcocks were the first band because the Clash, the Pistols were on, I think, major labels. Yeah. Um, The Dam were on Stiff, but all of those bands were on labels. And the Buzzcocks were like, well, hang on a minute. Why do we want to sign to a label when we could just start our own? Nobody had done it at that point. So they set up their own label called New Hormones. They released 15,000 copies of that album. And that is number... 1073 there so that's yeah it's stamped at the top right in that really cool it's like it's like a font born from the 70s yeah yeah yeah, like like you can't you but you know yeah it is literally a stamp isn't it so someone is the date on the back i think it was 76 as well so it was just before punk as we know it kicked off but the great thing about this is so i walked into this record shop in exeter and i was a regular in there so the guy knew like my jam he was like you're a 77 punk guy yeah and he was like i've got something that just came in today that you are gonna love he was like do you like the Buzzcocks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. Well, he Very might good. have said it. He did. Right. And I was like, I love them, but I didn't really know that much about them at that point. And he goes, well, you need to hear this. This is when Howard Devoto is still singing. The big mm. song off this record that people might know is Boredom. Mm. That was their first single. But the tune that really like sucked me in was Breakdown on mm-hmm. side one, track one. And that is the most, like, I have a term for it that me and my friends use called Pogo. And obviously that's the dance move. But yeah. we would use it as like a, a reference for a subgenre of punk that's kind of like spiky, poppy, angular basically energetic the music that makes you want a pogo and the clash for me don't really make me want a pogo mm. you know they're so more or, the thinking or, man's almost band. like oi is a subgenre of punk exactly pogo yeah is, uh, another exactly that so okay. i would put bands like the adverts 999 yeah. the uh-huh. only ones uh-huh. and buzzcocks in it and this song breakdown came on and i was just like fuck me it, it was kind of like minor threat like as close as the uk had to a sound like that at that time it was so unhinged 
And I was like, this is the best. And that's shit way I've before Minor heard. Threat as well. Mm. I mean, that's way before, before yeah, American yeah. kind of Californian Washington punk rock happens. Mm, mm, mm. You need to check it out. If you haven't already, I'd be listening to this. Spiral um, Scratch, you can get it on Spotify. I mean, that's the thing. I am, I have to say, as someone who is much more not just au fait, but more of a fan of the kind of like I like the pistols and I love the clash, obviously, but I've never really dug too deeply into the kind of apart from the big singles like I mean I, like, I really like Susie and the Banshees but I like Susie and the Banshees when they became a kind of gothy art rock thing rather than that that kind of late yeah. 70s just after the Ramones sort of thing happened yeah. I've never really gone mad on that which is weird because my dad's got all those records my dad's got a whole bunch of Buzzcocks records and you know of course massively influential I saw a Green Day covering uh, Ever Fallen in Love by Buzzcocks. It's the um, best pop punks. For me, pop punk is Buzzcocks, Ramones, Undertones, and that's it. Forget anything else. Like, <laughs> this is the... I mean, and this leads me on to this next record here. So, Singles Going Steady yeah. um, is the best sort of blueprint for the Buzzcocks sound. It's like a greatest hits album, basically. Yep. And it's yep. got 16 tracks on there. And uh, it's every single one is perfection. There is not a dud amongst any of them and this this is the classic record right well, i would that's, say yeah that's the one that i think yeah. if anybody wants to go yeah. down into the yeah, rabbit yeah, hole yeah. start there yeah so this has got ever fallen in love on it and orgasm addict but and... this was the first album and that's signed by steve diggle there no hello. Big deal. Yeah. hello no biggie yeah. no biggie and um let me just pull out a google image here that i was searching on the way so there's a song on one of these and it's called you tear me up Mm-hmm. And it's basically, I, I didn't realise this till today, it's a song about getting your dick sucked by a dude. Okay. Like, it straight up is. And the great thing about Pete Shelley is he was one of the first openly bisexual guys on the punk scene. Like, Orgasm Addict is a song about, you know, getting it every which way but loose from dudes, chicks, like, because he was into uh, all of it. Okay. And he was very effeminate and he was, like, just openly bi. And at that point in time, obviously, punk was kind of a, a boys club. And you had females within it, like the Slits and X-Ray Specs mm-hmm. and obviously Susie and the Banshees, but... But you would have been they looked down on a lot. in that yeah. sense. You yeah, know, yeah, it was yeah. still very much like conservative with the little C. Yeah, and here's yeah. Pete Shelley just going like, let me find these lyrics here. But I didn't realise it till today. And I was like, oh my God, this is a song literally about getting head off a dude. Because this lyric goes like this, all this slupping and sucking, you know it's putting me off my food. That's one line in mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And then the other one goes, you know you got such big eyes, they make me feel so small. So you've got that image in your head, right, of a dude <laughs> yes. doing a bit of that. And then the next line, my heart is only one mouthful, but you, you can have it all. Oh, that's quite sweet at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's oh, the oh, thing actually, is, all his songs on. have this <laughs> tenderness and this <coughs> sensitivity. And he was such a sensitive songwriter and he really believed every word that he was singing. Mm. When I had Steve Diggle on my podcast, he was like, the thing with us was The Clash and The Pistols were overtly political. And that was the punk thing, wasn't it? It was, let's take down the government, let's sing about yeah. inequality. But he was like, for us, life was more black and white, uh, like grey than that. It wasn't black and white. And it was actually about, a lot of their songs, just like existential dread. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the classic teenage subject, isn't it? Yeah, it's trying yeah. to figure your place in this world and make sense of all the chaos in your head. And they, I think, were the best band to ever do that. Like some of, uh, I don't mind. I'm lost without a clue. Let me find this one. I pulled this up as well. One of the best opening lines about that exact sort of like existential dread. Reality is a dream, a game in which I seem to never find out just what I am. I don't know if I'm an actor or ham, a shaman or sham. And it's just like him just kind of going, well, what, what the fuck am I? What's mm. going on? Mm. And that's why I love them is they kind of just tapped into that raw, nervous 
anxious energy of being a teenager mm. and I, I think, discovered them slightly after my teenage years I wish I'd been switched on to that's them when become, I was a teenager that's become like I mean I would always to, to be fair like you saying that I would always have given the credit to the descendants for kind of taking punk rock out of anger and politicisation and, and putting it into kind of teenage like awkward nerdiness suburban home yeah parents. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah but actually when you say that you, you do realise that their influence on punk rock is possibly, as we sit here today in 2018, possibly greater for the just the sheer weight of stuff. I mean, I'm not like, probably like both of us. I mean, you've already said it about pop punk. I'm not a fan of most of the modern pop punk stuff, but... Yeah, they forget fucking, it. Buzzcocks, but, but they lean on, Ramones, they lean on that as, a, as an idea, don't they? So yeah, like hugely influential. You've also said that Descendants are pretty much for you the first pop punk band ever but would you say there's an argument matt to say that buzzcocks no ramones were the first straight up. ah yeah, yeah. no that's 76 you know yeah. they, they yeah, were yeah, basically yeah. the beach boys on speed yeah like if you yeah. knew beach boys from west coast to east coast gave them a bit of amphetamine of took them out of swim shorts and hawaiian shirts and put them in denim and leather and yeah. that's that's the only difference it's yeah, just yeah, beach yeah. boys sped up the first song on this one the first album fast cars you know, it's just a song about how much Steve Diggle hates guys who drive around in sports cars with their tiny penis syndrome. <laughs> right. It's just like, I hate fast cars. That, and that's it. The whole song is, I hate fast cars. Like, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. But I yeah. would say, like, pop punk as we know it today, I still think Descendants, most of those bands, like the Blink-182s and all that, they're, they're probably... I think, yeah, I think the Descendants are very, very influential, obviously. I'm not going to try and take, so. not gonna try no, and sure, take yeah, away yeah, the, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're, you're right in terms of, but I think all of those bands probably manipulated. Um, I don't think much has progressed post-Descendants in terms of the way they look or sound. or. And also, like without that. knocking the Descendants, who I do love, <laughs> Buzzcocks have these kind of like can, noi, kraut rock, like yeah. experimental hugely avant-garde songs that are so far outside of the punk pocket like and also pre-post-punk as well like obviously punk yeah. went in that direction with wire and gang of four and those kind mm. of bands but buzzcocks were already doing that you listen to a song like autonomy and it's just like you know one chord over and over again and like this, yeah, dis- was- this dissonance and this kind of just total experimentation for its time and here's one more thing i want to say about the buzzcocks as well is you also need to realize that they were the whole catalyst for Factory Records and Joy Division and New Order and The Smiths and Happy Mondays and Stone Roses. Like that whole Manchester indie, whatever you want to call it, scene, that also started with Buzzcocks. They were the band that put on the lesser free trade hall gig that the Pistols famously played that everybody who was at started a band, including Mm -hmm. Mick Hucknall. Including Uh, Mick Hucknall. Never forget Mick Hucknall. Never forget Mick. And they were the catalyst (laughs) for all of that as well. So without the Buzzcocks, arguably you could say no Joy Division, Mm. ergo no... New Order, no Smith, Manchester, no, none of it. Yeah, but also so no Simply Red. So, you know. So, <laughs> not all good, is it? <laughs> There's yeah. always a bad apple. There's <laughs> yeah. always one bad apple. No Oasis, Renfrey. No Liam Gallagher getting in your grill on your fucking Twitter timeline. You're <laughs> furious about it. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I once called Can we raise a glass to Pete Shelley? Yeah. Of course so we can. Toast. I mean, we're Just, having coffee, we're but having coffee there we go. Tea, but there you go. Little clinkity clink. But the yeah, that's a unsung hero for me of punk rock. That's good. I'm glad we got a chance to kind of say that properly because I felt like yeah. I saw it when it happened and we didn't speak about it on the show because, like I say, I'm not massively au fait with just to go into great detail like you are. So I'm glad that we... Well, I, I was just about to say, I'm glad we waited actually because you you clearly know a lot more about Buzzcocks than both me and Steve put together. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I would say all those four bands that I mentioned, The Dams, Clash, Pistols, Buzzcocks, all four of those bands are in my top 10 bands of all time. Who are your favourite of the big four? Out of the favourite of the big four? I think Buzzcocks. Yeah. Purely and simply because they were so sensitive and emotional. 
Yeah. And they tapped into that kind of, I guess, romantic in me. Um, and I adore all four of them for equally kind of different reasons. I think they're all so different, and that was what was great about yeah, the whole they, scene. Yeah, they really are, yeah. But yeah, Buzzcocks are the one for me that still... And the older I get as well, and the more I have my heart broken and go through like difficult and turbulent times, the more I identify with Buzzcocks than, say, I do The Clash, you know, mm-hmm. who are, mm-hmm. without a doubt, probably the, the greatest band of that scene because they took it to that kind of, of yeah. next yeah. level. Um, P- Pistols obviously just blew up very brightly and exploded and I wouldn't have yeah. wanted that to have gone down any other way just mm. fucking one statement in and out like Operation Ivy just there's yep. the blueprint yep. now we're going to yep. fuck off yep. mm. and the damned obviously just the genius kind of gothic evolution of them and the, yeah. the cool factor of the damned like they were just so visually cool and still are yeah they released the first UK single they ever? did New, New Rose, Rose and yep. so suitably titled as well because yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it was kind of I guess a song about I mean obviously you're reading a little bit probably too much into it but it could, <laughs> it could be seen to be a song about this flowering new movement that's sure, happening sure, as well as sure. a new romance yeah. it's like this is actually a whole new chapter in nothing UK about, music history nothing well. about sucking dick in New Rose well that's why the damned don't cut it that's why Buzz <laughs> there we go <laughs> if there you we got go. a song about getting your dick sucked by a dude then you ain't gonna be my number one favourite band yeah. and that's a fact yeah. you've so heard it here first such a massive Pantera fan isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> god damn god damn do you bust out the Phil Anselmo impression much on this podcast not as much that? as I feel like it's sort of used like to. It's, it used um, to do it all the time on the radio and it's the highlight all the time. Every day. these days it's a little bit harder to justify it isn't it really yeah 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 <laughs> without um, people making it was white questions. wine guys it was white wine yeah, of course, course it, was. It, was. it was there wasn't a Chardonnay in sight yeah uh, that's you doing Rob Flynn yeah there, it is. Yeah, there you go um, so but anyway I feel like I mean that's a, a good tribute to uh, to Pete Shelley and a, a good little kind of intro to uh, for people who want to go and check out more about Buzzcocks but I feel like Matt yourself and I are kind of kindred the reason we've asked you on is because I feel like there's uh, we're kind of I feel like you're our kind of sister podcast in a lot of way. Or I'll brother, take that. Or brother podcast. Sister you, and if, brother. Yeah. If, if AC, you like. AC, baby. Yeah. We, we, don't, we don't need to be gender specific, frankly. Yeah, in, just in, leave it's it 2019. No, no, yeah, you know. of course. Yeah. <laughs> I, I see us as, uh, although the format is very different, and I guess the approach is kind of different because you obviously have the dual host thing going on. Yeah. Hello. But I feel like the ethos and the uh, intent is... Exactly the same. Hmm. It's a similar thing. And I think both you and I and Renfrey, I suppose I put you in on this as well, have kind of uh, gone through many different um, avenues to... to, in in the world of media, which always kind of seem to lead us back to guitar-based music. This crazy old journalism game. Yeah. yeah, we've gone yeah, we've gone through quite a bit over the years, I would say. Yeah, and so I think it's it's a very, very interesting time at the moment to be trying to find a way. I mean, we saw each other last weekend, didn't we? We were hanging out last weekend. We, we did. We had a full weekend together. Remember? We did, it was yeah. like a little date. Matt, it was, yeah. I heard, um, that, I heard that you were very hungover for most of it. Yeah, it was, well, I, for everybody listening, it's January. I presume this will be going out this month. So uh, around we're, the we're in Jan January. Mm-hmm. And um, I turned up to Steve's house like, yeah, doing dry January, aren't I? We had vegan chicken burgers to start with every, and water. So every intention New year? was good. New year? And I, yeah. Actually, I stayed on the wagon. So And the first night I did do sober in my defense. <laughs> Friday night, stayed sober. Mm-hmm. And I was really proud of myself. And then the Saturday I returned. I was DJing at the World's End in Camden, mm-hmm. which is where I'll be back tonight as well and mm-hmm. was last night. And I was all set for a sober night, round two. Here we go. And then this dude walks into the booth and he's got an airborne hoodie on. I was like, here we go. <laughs> and, and Immediately. He, go, he goes, all right, mate. 
I'm best mates with Ryan and Joel O'Keefe, man. I'm on holiday from Melbourne. And I just went, for fuck's sake, there goes the sobriety. <laughs> and not to lay blame on him, but I was like, there's no way I'm going to send you back to Australia and be like, oh, yeah, I saw your mate Matt down in London and he wasn't fucking drinking. I was like, I'm not having that. So I was like, yeah. go get the beers in and get two shots. And we, because his missus was on holiday with him, but she was out for dinner with friends. Mm. And he's like, oh, I saw you were on Instagram saying you're a DJ. And, so, and we just got destroyed and we were out to like 4 a.m. Lovely. Pounding shots. Like, <laughs> so I vet like like heroically fell off the wagon oh, yeah, and he really? came into his lounge in the morning he said I was just there fully clothed passed out on the sofa with a half drunk bottle of Corona Aww. it's like little picture dry January there <laughs> yeah. Matt Stock I nearly it. Instagrammed it and mugged him <laughs> off on Instagram but I, uh, well, I thought better of it according to Steve that's my night every night so you know it's uh, fine <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, but anyway, we were having a conversation. Um, to get back to why you're really here. Yeah, uh, we, we were having a <laughs> Not conversation. Just a smash corona. No, no, we were having a conversation. Um, why you were here last weekend about? Um, because you're on Scuzz, and obviously Scuzz was one of the things that kind of went down recently. And we were sort of going, can this ever happen again? Like, can rock music ever kind of are you rise back to specifically the... about music television? Or what we're talking, talking about, about music <laughs> journalism. Can I, can I and... jump in real quick? Yeah, here? sure. I think you'd have some really interesting things to say about this as well as us do. So for me, it was Kerrang Radio. Best job in my life still to this day. Best mm. times in my life. Closed down. Still exists, but internet only. But, yeah. you know, the station in Birmingham went and everybody kind of either had to go move to London and work for Peanuts or you're out of the job. So that was the first one. And then it was Team Rock. Same thing. Closed down. Yeah. Out. Over. Um, then Team Rock, the website, the written side. So I've been writing for them after the radio station closed mm-hmm. a couple of years, went to Cuba, came back New Year's Eve, Team Rock's gone, over, gone. And so in the space of three years, I'd worked for three major companies. One was the same company, but different roles within it. And the carpet every time had just been pulled from underneath me through yeah. no fault of my own. It wasn't yeah. that I was, wasn't delivering exceptional work, yeah, if I can yeah, be yeah. so bold. It was just literally <laughs> that they were all running out of money and going under. And so yes. three years, three companies in a row, I just went, you know what, fuck this. I'm going to set up shop on my own. I'm going to just do this podcast as my full-time gig. It's going to be a hustle and a struggle, and it's going to take a while to build it to where I want it to be, and I'm still on that quest. Yep. But I know that I control that, and it's mine. Yep. And nobody can mm. put their hand in from out of nowhere and just take it away from me. Yep. And then ironically... Scuzz was the fourth in four years and I only really did one shoot a month for them so it wasn't like I relied on it financially but it was always fun and it's nice being on telly and a different sort of approach and so yeah all the companies that I've worked for have all gone out of business Yeah, and it's no coincidence that they're all rock because Kiss FM ain't going under Capital's not going under Heart's not going under Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like Empire Magazine isn't going under But what is I mean the thing that I I often think is is that because people don't like rock music anymore or is it it is Kids don't. Okay. That's a fact. Kids, yeah. Like it's trap, it's rap, it's like urban music. That's the culture. And if you go out and about in London, you see people just, that's all they listen to. It's on the phone. Just, you know, they're yeah, on the yeah, of course. Kids are not listening to guitar music. But is that because the stuff that... At least not new bands. They're no. obviously listening. They'll, kids will always, through their parents or older siblings, will always discover rock and love it. But, you know, you look at the pop charts... There's no guitar bands in there. And even but is the- that because, I mean, even when we were on, I mean, to, I'm not going to call out anyone too much, but when we were on... Do it. Do, do it. it. Do it. But when, let's say, for example, when we were on... It's going in. When we, were on, when we were on Team Rock Radio, for example, there was one after, there was one morning I remember where I went through a playlist which, you know, was not curated by me at all. It didn't really represent my, my taste in music. It or wasn't arguably my, anyone's. <laughs> well, yeah, possibly. Um, no, I think there's 45 people in Manchester who it, it did represent. Um, but, uh, 
But you looked at it and there was an hour and a half where nothing was played that had been released post-1984. I remember you saying that exact sentence to me. Yeah. You were like, have you noticed that in the last like 90 minutes, even the song from the 90s hasn't appeared? Right. Mm. And so what, what's the, just for people who don't know, what sort of thing were you playing on Team Rock? <laughs> Motorhead, mm -hmm. Iron Maiden. Mm -hmm. The Angels, um, don't forget the Angels. The, who the fuck the are the Angels? Angels? Exactly. Yeah, um, you know, uh, wow. occasionally, it, it, it would be... The Wild the really, Yeah, the Wild Hearts, Nirvana, um, and then Five Finger Death Punch, Slipknot, yeah. um, Bullet for My Valentine, all the good new ones uh, <laughs> and yeah and occasionally there'd be something that had kind of oddly something that was on the same management label as a really really big band but weren't big at all would get on there as opposed to something that we both went hey isn't the new gallo single great or i remember when um, well, we like, started after a while we started just kind of changing it because okay i was like without being disrespectful i used to work on a station with 1.2 million listeners a year and i program my own show every day and I know how to program a radio show. That's not me being <laughs> arrogant. It's just I know how to program Facts. a national radio show. And you can't go from The Who into Slayer. You just can't. Mm. Like, that might be a fun, kooky thing to do as a playlist on Spotify. But if you're trying to appeal to an audience, you cannot make leaps like that mm. without people being jarred. Mm. And that was the case with it. And what was exciting especially about Especially at 7 o'clock in the morning. Especially, yeah, like literally 7 a.m. <laughs> like Angel of Death into like Barbara O'Reilly. People are like, yeah, what yeah, is going yeah, on? Yeah. But what excited me, and I think, Steve, when we first started and joined that station was this total freedom. Their thing was we have no commercials, so we're not beholden to advertisers. And Kerrang would never, ever, ever play Slayer in the day. I would get on at seven after Kate Lawler, she did drive, and then it would start to only really represent the magazine from 7 p.m. onwards. So the daytime, we would have stuff like The Wanna Dies and Coldplay. Yeah, I remember mm. hearing Oasis and stuff like that yeah. on Kerrang! Radio. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was more of an indie XFM-style yeah, yeah, station yeah. in the day. And so what excited, I think, everybody who got involved with Team Rock to begin with was, wow, yeah. here's a station that's going to play actually what rock fans want to hear any time of day forget about the corporate sponsorship like this mm. is going to be a rock station mm. Mm. and you know for several reasons mainly just the bad management of money yeah um it just you know didn't deliver on its promise but so you've, there's you've, a reason why i think all these stations are coming either off the air completely well, or at least going only online we were very very frustrated with the idea that and i think this is something that that we uh, post doing team rock i think most of the things that I've done in this podcast included have very much, even though our kind of the breadth of what we cover is very wide, you know, when we did a 1975, I think we did the 1975 the same week as we did like thou, didn't we? So, yeah. but it's about kind of being able to appeal to people who have a very, very passionate want of hearing new music and good music and that's the only genre that matters music. is quality yeah, yeah exactly. of course that's exactly. the only genre there is is exactly. it good or is it bad and, and some people would be like well music's subjective it's like well no there is objectively bad music out there yes, there just is yes. exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, and um just plucking names out of thin air yeah, it could have been anyone could have been and, anyone and i think you know like the, the problem that both of us had was just that I, I never felt that the people who were there really wanted to make and and Again, I'm just going to keep it centric to what I knew, but from not so much from the magazines, but certainly from a lot of the other outlets like uh, the music television and rock radio, there doesn't seem to be anyone who really, really cares enough about music to make it. Because my thing is, is you like as we've said on the show a whole bunch of times, is like you said, 
good music is good like good music is good music you don't necessarily need to like it but you can appreciate the quality of it yeah, yeah. And if you're a true and music fan we talk about go, that. that's decent it's not my thing but it's decent yeah. we talk about that a lot it's I mean, like trade-off i feel like we talk about that a lot yeah, and that i will go i know this is good but it's not my bad you didn't really dig the new order album yeah but you were, but you, I, but you I, are aware that i'm new aware order that it's a good record because own. objectively i can yeah, see that. Yeah, yeah um and every time i think of you i feel sharp right bizarre love triangle mate yeah mate what a untouchable yeah, absolute killer song. Although I didn't pick that album for Renfrew. No. no. Um, uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, but but we will sort of. I didn't feel that that it was. It's easier, isn't it, to just play Sweet Child of Mine over and over and over and over again and rely on that and go, oh, that's that's what this is. But I think people have this idea of rock music that it is this kind of naff, hilarious, like old, dated pile of shite. Because let's, let's maybe say metal though. Because rock music to the mainstream is the Libertines as much as it is. I think even that's it. Like somebody, funnily enough, um, tweeted us the other day because we'd been talking about vinyl on the show a few weeks back. We were talking about people who buy vinyl. And I would sort of said, you know, with HMV being in trouble, do people go out and buy a Britney Spears or a, a Rihanna or, a, you know, like a, a Post Malone vinyl? Are the people who want to listen to you know, little mix. Are they really that interested? Are they really that into it? They're buying it on vinyl or they just play it on their phone. And he was like, well, I know someone who, who bought, he he buys stereophonics vinyl, but I would say stereophonics are much more, they're closer to us than the stuff I'm talking about. And I I think, than Britney Spears. Of course, of course they are. Yeah, Yeah. of course. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and it, so, you know... I, but that is a rock band, right? Yeah, they're a rock band. A rock but band. I don't, but they're, they're the sort of band that I think that sort of thing is now seen as... you know, like, like Dad Rock, Libertines. isn't it? Dad yeah, rock. Libertines, Dad Rock. Muse are considered a, oh, kind of yeah. a, an old man's band. At this they're point, queens you know? to a 16-year-old. Yeah, aren't yeah they? of course. And, you know, it, 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 there's not really... There are bands who are coming through, like something like Zelenada. I just think if you're interested in really cutting-edge music if you're a young kid who's interested in really cutting edge music there isn't anything else out there that sounds like Zelenada but are they getting enough exposure are they being allowed to get I mean there's been enough pushback on them from the metal community going this doesn't sound like Judas Priest and it's a really really hard balancing act the metal scene is its own worst enemy Mm. why do you say that because of that exact point is people Mm. will go ghost aren't metal (laughs) yeah baby metal aren't metal this is all the corruption of our genre metal is steve says priest maiden sabbath pantera but even when you get down to like machine head not metal limp biscuit no way corn no way and i do think it's its own worst enemy it shits on its own there's no other scene in the world i've got a mate who's like massively into drum and bass he's an mc like that's his whole life and, but he knows a lot about rock because he comes from that background. And he's like, dude, there's no other scene like rock. Like drum and bass does not shit on its own scene at anything like the level that yeah. rock does. And I think that applies to you know every other genre. But metal seems to have this thing because I guess it is that whole us versus them mentality that makes them just want to go, this is mine. And I, they don't really want to support the idea of evolution or yeah. progressiveness. They just want to go, this is it. Let's keep it this it's ours. Anything else is like a, a dilution of this pure thing. Yeah, I think Do you know that's, what I mean? I think that's a huge part of it. I think... And that's not to knock metal fans. I'm not having a go. I'm just... Well, I, I think the other thing is... Well, the, you are. The, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. But the, the, the double-edged sword of metal fans being so passionate as well. like Which is like, a great quality, yeah. Which is yeah. amazing. But then at the same time, they treat it as if that sort of shit actually matters yeah. when at the end of the day... Well, you really must doesn't. have an interesting angle. Can you jump in as well? Because your background is obviously, I guess, predominantly print. 
and yeah, 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 papers. yeah. I guess so. So, so how those... did the independent deal with rock and its coverage of rock? Well, for me, I mean, I saw myself as a total outlier because I got I got uh, into the independent through the blogs section of the website which no longer exists really? where you could basically do whatever the hell you wanted to do uh ended up just doing my own thing and then i don't think anyone there was vaguely interested in what i was doing you mean your all. colleagues i mean my colleagues and the people who were above me yeah 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 um but after a while they saw that the numbers were really good which is the only thing they really care and they about. were were they you didn't notice like a notable spike yeah there was a no basically i did i think it was an interview with anathema was the one that yeah. that um that Takes yeah all sorts steve well yeah. well but I, mean, I mean exactly like but that's a, an in, but that's an interesting one because anathema course. are not a cool band no, by any no, no, no. way or stretch of the imagination but um like it was by far the biggest blog of that month and they were basically like why aren't you doing this on the main site so then i graduated to the main side because it's a numbers game because it's a numbers yeah. game and then it was just kind of they just sort of let me get on with it because they knew that no one else knew what they Here were talking is, about yeah <laughs> bonjour jumping up onto the old table <laughs> there. Do that all the time is that all a regular, regular, regular cameo really all annoying yeah. Yeah. um and i no one no one there knew the, the scene or the the subject or anything like that so they just kind of let me get on with it until they didn't um, and that's a great freedom to have right it was amazing you must have felt like you were fighting a solo battle but at that same time it's like oh i can kind of get away with whatever i want here yeah and i did Creative i mean i did we did we streamed the nails album which is a grindcore album you know which is absolutely disgusting but the thing is is <laughs> in nails, a good way yeah. in a good way <laughs> but um they couldn't really argue with it because i remember that nail stream was one of the biggest things i ever did it got like I can't remember what the actual numbers were, but it got 5,000 shares. So that was 5,000 5, shares. Yeah, that was 5,000 people actively going, oh, this is good yeah, enough yeah, for yeah. me to share it. And I think that was born out of what the fuck are nails doing on the independent? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. I think that was a huge thing for me but you know i Which mean is, i guess is proof that that audience does want it to be represented well, yeah, in the mainstream yeah. and they are and, behind it being covered by those publications and, and I, I also think to kind of to flip it around to the sort of people who may not usually listen to rock music i mean if we can get someone listening to our podcast who are who is going oh that some podcast that is reviewing mumford and sons and the 1975 and on the same week we review something on Holy Raw mm -hmm. and we treat it with the same level of respect because that's the thing I always think is that rock fans don't want to treat other types of music with the same level of respect and, and reverence and reverence mm -hmm. yeah. and vice versa and that's always the problem I think that we have is kind of Which getting goes people back to in same idea isn't it of just like yeah of like you no know outside you influence. exist in yeah. your yeah. you exist in your little hole and and that makes you much happier to 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 kind of cling on to every trope and stereotype that you possibly can Ignorance and go like metal is metal is metal yeah, is metal yeah. and it's like well actually why why wouldn't you want to like for, you know for example like my my top 20 albums of the year when i had the dirty projectors in between conjurer and behemoth yeah yeah behemoth sorry yeah. Uh, and the behemoth yeah. <laughs> the, the behemoth yeah and you think to me those those albums although they're sonically very very different they're I mean, particularly Behemoth and Dirty Projectors, that's one person yeah. who has taken a genre and, you know, it, it, is, it is the mind and soul of one individual, one very, very creative individual who's taken, you know, indie pop and black metal um, and have melded it and twisted it into these odd new forms. Original art. Yeah, original art. And, and that, 
should be the most important thing. And the sincerity behind the intent. Mm. Is this honest? Is it real? Is it passionate? Is it exciting? Yeah. That's the qualities, that, no matter what the genre is, yeah. if it ticks all those boxes, I'm in. Yeah. I might not necessarily listen to it a lot, but if, if I can tell from the sound coming out of the speakers that this person means it, then I'm like, I'm behind that. Yeah. Do you know and what I, I mean? I think that people, like, I make a lot of odds comparisons between bands when I go oh this reminds me of that and that like when mm. we were talking about Agnes Obel and I said it reminds me of Nine Inch Nails mm, mm. and people who just hear Sonics might go this how this, does like, this remind you of Nine Inch Nails girl playing yeah, a piano yeah. reminds you of Nine Inch Nails yeah. it's like well it's about the approach it's about how they things have been twisted and, and I just feel like people still there's this idea that people don't gravitate towards you know now it's a Spotify generation you don't have to worry about genres. People still do. I think people I, still I, unfortunately do. I think the well, I think Spotify's the, playlists. I think the pre- so much of them are genre categories. Yeah, exactly. Aren't they? Yeah. And that's one of Spotify's mistakes, I think, going into the future, because like the press is still very genre led <coughs> and still kind of, oh, we need to put things into neat boxes and stuff. But that's not how people listen to music. We we constantly That's capitalism, isn't it? That's all that is for me, is how can we shops do it, journalists do it, how can we reduce this to a label to sell it easier? Mm, yeah, well that's the because yeah. music for those people yeah. is a product. It's not yeah. art. Mm. It's a product. So they're like, okay, where are we gonna shelve this record that's gonna make it sell? Or where are we gonna place it within a playlist or a magazine? that's going to make it sell. Yeah. And so it reduces it to a product. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's bad. But, but I think you're absolutely right, but that is not how people listen to music. I don't think, no. I think there's loads of people who would be into the Dirty Projectors album and the Behemoth album. Yeah. Like loads of them. There's no, you know, because they're both objectively good music. I mm. think anyone listening to them who has any kind of knowledge in music whatsoever will go, well, both of these bands are doing something a little bit different and a little bit new and original and so on and so on and you just it's difficult to argue with that with that as an argument Mm. that they're not any good but um but yes i think i mean one of the going back to one of the things you were saying before in terms of like uh, kids don't listen to rock music anymore new rock music new rock music one of the things that i was thinking when you're saying that is um i think another problem with that is and i'm not trying to be genre uh, genre genre genreist yeah. or anything along those lines but i do think that rock music it's harder to put a rock song together and produce it and mix it and so on and so forth than it is for a grime artist a grime artist can do a song and put it out on the internet in 24 hours and most rock music you can't really do that mm. uh, because it needs to be produced in a certain way there's so many more elements that are at play you need more people involved in it and stuff like that and so and if, that's a cost thing as well isn't exactly. it it's like if we don't have the money to exactly. spend i guess the other thing i can't remember who said it to me but back in the day obviously bands would be developed right so a lot of bands wouldn't necessarily break until their third or fourth album yeah, yeah. and those early stages are about fine tuning and honing and developing and nowadays that luxury is not afforded to anyone no because the money's not there yeah so there will never and it's not that rock is dead music of a certain level for me is gone it's a thing of the past because there's not that infrastructure there anymore to support artists to nurture that talent there'll never be another kate bush i don't think i don't think there'll ever be another queen Mm. i just Mm. don't because that money's not there to support these artists and also as well how many fucking great rock and roll bands a working class over the years like historically how many now it's the same with actors i find as well like unless you're from a certain privileged economic position where you can afford to live in london and not work and 
you know, yeah. flutter around in your daydreams and yeah, paint yeah. or act or whatever. Like, unless you have the parents to support you to do that, you can't because you've got to work to live. But this mm. is the thing. Being in a band has become an expensive hobby as opposed to something which you could actually earn money from. Yeah. And um, we actually, we did a Holy Raw podcast um, a few weeks ago and uh, the head of the label at Holy Raw had a really interesting suggestion regards regarding Spotify. And he was saying that Spotify should be investing money into bands. Well, Spotify and, should be fucking paying artists more. Well, like, sure. Let's be absolutely. fucking upfront about yeah, that. Yeah, when yeah, you see yeah. what bands get... My friend Rich Jones, who plays in Michael Monroe's band, he posted this hilarious thing on Instagram. You know, at the end of the year, everybody was like, thanks for all your support. Yeah, and it's yeah. like X amount of plays, whatever. And his was like, this was the amount of plays that it was an imaginary number, but here's the plays we received. Here's the money we received. And it's fucking disgusting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's someone's good. making money from that. You know, it's not all just free. Spotify yeah. aren't like, oh, here's a free service and mm. we're not making money. And it's like somebody is making serious coin from that yeah. and it ain't the band. Well, it's um, the pl- you. It, it depends how much you get, depending on all sorts of factors, including what country it's streamed in and all that kind of thing. But it's between 0.003p per play or yeah. 0.007p per play. And weirdly, according to Spotify, there's only 65 countries in the world. Did you notice that? Every band... It was like, uh, there's, you know, how many... I don't pay that much attention to If them. you just go through anyone's history, you'll see internationally huge bands. The highest number I saw of any really? countries played in was 65, 65, 65. Or maybe there's just only Spotify exists yeah. in 65 countries. Yeah, maybe. But, I mean, yeah, Stuart Lee, uh, who I will quote again, as I always <laughs> do. Stuart Lee says, you know, like, he can... To be a comedian, he moved to London from Birmingham coming out of university and to be a stand-up comedian he could do one gig and earn 30 quid a week living in london just yeah. by doing like two weekends of well, doing a weekend of, of two gigs changed so much, the cost of living, and he's well. like now you'd have to get an intern an unpaid you'd have to be able to afford to take an unpaid internship at some sort of tv company to be, get yourself on a panel show to blah blah, blah to, just to be a comedian he's like you'd have to have rich parents who were bankrolling that for you and if and you look at the new breed of comedians they're mostly well, middle-class people, aren't they? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. not like yeah, yeah. Billy Connolly or people like that from no. this very blue-collar working-class background. They're the likes of Jack Whitehall, mm. aren't yeah. they? Mm. Yeah. I worked for 10 months every single day unpaid for Kerrang. And I was very, very fortunate that I'm from Birmingham and Kerrang was based in Birmingham so I could live at home with my mum, free of rent. <coughs> and I worked as a DJ in a strip club and that would be my like weekly allowance. It would yeah. be like 400 quid to just stand in a booth and be like, next on stage, Crystal. Yeah. Don't forget you can exchange your pounds into tipping dollars, guys. Come well, on I down. We all know what a like, strip club is, Matt. We all know what happens. I'm just reliving the days. <laughs> yeah. And so I could afford to live off just that one gig a week. And because I was based in Birmingham and the station was based in Birmingham, that was just such a stroke of luck. Mm. But I worked full time for 10 months before I got a gig there. Yeah. I worked unpaid at the Independent for writing for four years. Four fucking years. Jesus Christ. And that's the reality of it, isn't it? Is when people say, like, how do you get into the industry? It's like, be prepared to never make any money, to always have financial stress. And they they kind of managed to do that because I started on blogs. Um, uh, And I think I I, I went up to the main website in about 18 months. It didn't take that long, but they sort of initially were like, well, we're doing you a favor doing that. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Is because they know if you're like, I'm not going to do this anymore unless you pay me. They know that there's a hundred other dudes or, you know, women outside waiting for your job. And that, 
bite the fucking hand that feeds. They'll go, yeah, I'll do this for free for four years. I was, I was super lucky that in my case, they didn't think there was because they knew that there wasn't anyone else who had the knowledge that I had. And so eventually I was able to like wangle and some. And because of that, they should have rewarded what uh, you're worth, right? Mm. They should have t- valued you yeah. and Which paid, never you, paid you accordingly. And that's <laughs> the I, I think that's the thing that we have started to believe this myth that uh, there was something, again, to go back to Team Up Radio, I remember being like, there should be an extreme metal show. There should be a hardcore show. There should be a um, uh, kind of a de- designated alternative rock show. Or surely just more breadth across the station, whether, yeah, you, whether you put it into a show or well, not. Well, or- yeah, but I mean, I because I, like to me, I mean, I remember one of the things I remember saying to somebody once is that there, I went to, I went to Tech Fest, which is not a big festival no. by any stretch of the imagination you know but if you have a tech show every single person at that festival is going to tune in yeah absolutely uh, but and that's it, a loyal fan base exactly right and, and i remember you, go, I remember business, going to te- you go to tech fest right and those people are all carrying a bag of vinyl they're wearing a basic t-shirt they're wearing a fucking snapback with all the bands on they're ba- wearing basic uh, is in the label the basic yeah. is yeah. in the label yeah <laughs> i thought you were just and, insulting and their fashion so basic no, bitches. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they, those people are that into that very very niche subgenre that they will spend all of their money on that subgenre absolutely but if you'd have at that time maybe not so much now but at that time if you'd have had a pile of classic rock and metal hammer as tall as me you give away give for free. Away. Yeah. You couldn't give them away those people because yeah, yeah. they're not. In, they would. They're not. They are interested in that thing. They're interested in. And I, my it's, argument was just, always just super quickly. It's funny you say that because they did have a load of classic rocks that arc tangent, course they did. and they couldn't give them away. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, Mogwai fans don't want to read about fucking <laughs> Hollywood vampires. <laughs> yeah. 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 And they actually. Can, I ended up taking a bunch because, like, yeah, they actually can get rid of. Um, but yeah, but um, but we we were constantly told and i was constantly told you know that that our long form is dead like people don't care about music in that way anymore and i think what's interesting what like what we've tried to do so when you say long form you mean like albums no well albums and conversation and shows and you know like going deep and what's interesting about you know because i remember when we were there we tried to kind of bring back a sort of metal hammer podcast and i was told it can't be longer than 20 minutes like that's all people are interested in listening to dude here's the thing and i guess this is the the longest way of getting there but i guess the point that we will arrive at is that podcasts are the future of broadcasting right and of media because that actual want and demand for long form is fully there it's just mm. that the media like no it's all bite size it's bite size and that's yeah. what team rock you said didn't it? it's bite size can't be longer than this mm. it's like well you have the freedom of having no commercial breaks so you can do whatever you want within a show mm. and yet you're restricting yourself to the very thing that you're trying to claim that you're breaking away from yeah which you, is this formatted like bite size obvious yeah. mainstream approach mm. and as you're saying like people want a long form conversation with hopefully informed enthusiastic dudes just chatting mm. yeah and they want the albums that have been made by these specific underground bands because their art is making a statement and yeah. that demand is there as well right i mean i think when when i think back to when we started doing right act mm. and the first podcast was four and a half hours long four was it really? four yeah. it was, no no no, four. no it was four hours was four long. hours long okay so it's four hours long and a lot of people initially went you're mad you're crazy to do that uh, to be and fair was, all i would people... have put that out as four myself all the people, all the people who four different ones, yes, and I just split it into four myself. Okay. Well, all, yeah. all the people who did that then admitted they hadn't listened to it. 
yeah. so you know but yeah. sure yeah, yeah. because they on. went nah yeah and that's fine War like, and you know, far too big yeah <laughs> and but, but so many people went it's four hours but you wouldn't change any of it and when you think as well like what's interesting about your podcast matt uh is some of the episodes that i think are the ones where i might go um, you know, I'm kind of interested in this guy, but like you get someone like Gene Simmons or you get someone like Tom Morello or you get, you know, like a big, like insert really, really big name here. They're not always necessarily the most interesting stories that are told. For example, um, the dude from the Icarus line. Joe Cardamone. Joe Cardamone mm. from the Icarus line, who the Icarus line and, and, you know, a band that I was familiar, you know, I'm a fan of mm. and I've been familiar with for a long, long time. You know, I saw them a bunch of times when they were open. They did a tour with the Dillinger Escape Plan in about 2002. Mm. And I saw about seven nights of that tour. So I've seen the Icarus line a whole bunch of times. And Aaron North went on to be in Nine Inch Nails Nine as well. Nails, yeah. um, but Joe Cardamone is somebody who I hadn't thought about for... A decade or so, About probably, 10 right? years, yeah. 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 And... Um, I didn't even know that he was doing this one man kind of David Bowie electric project and supporting Mark Lanigan. I didn't and know. And then, that. Uh, well, mate, there we go. And then you did this interview with him, and I was like, well, I'll listen to that because, you know, and I'll, I normally listen to a little bit, and then if it's like whatever, but there's been a few that I've gone. I'm not sure I'm that interested in that person, even though it's like a really, really big name person. Because you think, what am I going to hear yeah. that I haven't heard before? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And then you get loads, a, with, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're normally like you know, like the Bez. I, I must admit, the Bez one. I was like, mate. Do you know you've been up till seven a.m. getting fucked? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I've been fucking all night, man, by the campfire, like, because I was like, is the partying still a thing? He's like, yeah, man, what fucking last night, mate. <laughs> Fuck it. and he was like shaking. He was a wreck. It's like exactly what you want from Bez, though, isn't it? Like, yeah. Of course, you're a fucking state. Like. Yeah. But this, but this is the beauty of podcast being a free medium. You yeah. can try it. And well, that's you, the other you thing. Might you find don't fucking it. like it. It's free, dude. Fucking yeah. jog on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, exactly. Do you know what I mean? But oh, you, but you people can... go on iTunes and go one star. I'm like, fuck off. This is a free product. <laughs> hit the thumbs down on YouTube yeah, as well. Yeah. Like, move on with your life. Yeah. Life's yeah, too yeah, short yeah. to watch or listen to something you don't like and then complain about it. Well, we were talking about like with HMV going into administration and stuff. Mm. We were talking about um, how it's a shame that you can't kind of flick through uh, CD racks or vinyl or whatever, pick something out and like try something and and maybe discover like your well, in record shops, you can. In proper record shops. In proper record shops, you can. Shops, you can but like, few and far between these days. If, if HMV goes, then that You've got to know where to look, mate. <laughs> what are you going to say anyway, going back to Joe Cardamone? Because I would like to hear well, I was just going to say from that. Well, I was just going to say, the Joe Cardamone interview is one of the best, is one of the best interviews I've heard with anyone ever. It's fucking brilliant. And I would say, I think I've said it before, that everyone listening should go and listen to it. And it's brilliant. I mean, maybe there's, I have a slight bit of context for it because I was a fan of the Icarus line, but not a huge fan. But and he, we don't really talk about that at and all, you, do we? It barely gets mentioned, to be fair, but he has some stories about his, him growing up and the things Dude, that he that went through. Dude, that story with Flea and River Phoenix, man. Unbelievable, yeah. So basically, Joe Cardamone just sort of happened upon Flea and River Phoenix when he was a child, like hanging around in LA. Well, no, his dad was a, um, his dad was a musician and he'd do tutorials for people who want to learn like bass mm. links. So he hired a club, I think like the Viper Room, or it was probably the Viper Room actually. Mm. Um, and he was with Flea like doing this video tutorial on stage and Joe was a kid at the time and he was just sort of knocking about the club waiting for his dad to finish work and he didn't know it but it was River Phoenix was there with Flea 
and he just took sort of Joe under his arm. He's like, so you like punk rock, man? And he's like, I don't really know what that is. Like, he's like, what, you don't know Black Flag? Amazing. And like, he introduced him to all this like punk music. And then like a week later, he saw on the news, like actor River Phoenix has died. And he's like, fuck, that was the guy that was right, right, switching yeah. me on to Black Flag. At the Viper Room as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. But the, I think the thing with that one was we did it in the hotel room he was staying where he used to stay when he toured with the Icarus Line. And obviously one of those guys had passed away. Yeah days before he'd gone on tour with Lanigan mm. and it was the last date of the tour like he'd finished the tour and so he was I think feeling very reflective and grieving for his friend basically because his best friend and bandmate had died he'd gone straight on this month and a half long tour of Europe with Lanigan and not really had time to process it because well, I guess he was doing it on stage every night and that yeah. show dude I wish you'd have seen it because the Lanigan fans who are obviously now like BBC Radio 2 listeners let's be honest like yeah. the dude's fucking great the, the goat but his yeah. fan base now is very much like you know suede wearing like middle-aged yeah, men yeah, who like fucking yeah. radio his last, that's fine his, his last gig was union chapel in london which is a church yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, that yeah, but yeah. joe cardamone comes out dressed like the man who fell to earth like with crazy fucking visuals behind him just him and like a keyboard just going on these stream of consciousness kind of like almost like hip-hop rants over like mad electronic music it was insane it was like art like visceral in your face art and i think on stage he was working through all this stuff and then i guess he finished the tour and we were sat in this room and i could just see he sort of just went and opened up and that's a really beautiful thing when you interview someone and you act because for me the quest is to make actual tangible real connections with the guests I don't just want to go QA, QA. I want to, yeah. Mina Caputo was great for that same yeah, reason as well. Like, I want to try and strip away the persona and get to know the person and make an actual connection. And that was, it was a beautiful experience for me in it. We were just chain smoking cigarettes in his room. Like, and we've now kept in touch and we speak and, and that's a beautiful thing that it's not like a celebrity Could, bullshit thing. It's yeah. like a genuine connection and a friendship that you make. Because we do, I mean, when me or Renfrey uh, do interviews, it is always about oh you've got this album out or what's your favorite part of this and it's usually solely centered around music and very rarely centered around their personal life or their journey or where they've come from particularly and stuff and i think it maybe goes into that at points when people will talk about this record reminds me of whatever mm -hmm. but with your podcast it is about tell me about growing up and all these kind of things and you it means like you know they're the sort of interviews that i don't think i could do which is what i like about them is that i know that if you sit me down with Mike Patton. If you sat you and I down with Mike Patton, well, they'd be drastically different interviews. Hugely, yeah, yeah, yeah. unbelievably different interviews. Like I would just want to talk to Mike Patton about, you know, that album. What did that mean? You know, where's the, where did that? You know, tell us about making that. And you know, I remember this. What were you thinking when you did that? Whereas you, I think, would say to Mike Patton, "How did <laughs> how did you become Mike Patton?" Yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Journey. Yeah, yeah. And um, do you know what it is, dude? I won't go too much into it because it's it's separate and not relevant. But I broke. For everybody listening who doesn't know, I broke my back uh, five years ago. Mm. And so I spent three months in hospital just flat on my back. And in that time, I think I went so deep within to myself. Like people talk about meditation and stuff, but can you imagine for three months, like you can't shit by yourself. You've got to ring a bell and have a nurse do it. Like I had no independent sort of, I just was a fucking blob in bed, right? But yeah. with, during that process, I just got to really know myself and what I want from life. And I made a decision in that bed to be like, I'm on a quest to try and make sense. You know, people have been trying to figure this shit out for forever, but and we never will. And that's kind of the beauty. But I made a decision throughout that experience of just like, I want to kind of figure out why we're here, what's going on. And that for me is my approach to interviewing is like, you know, why are you you? And some people aren't interested in going down that route. Some people are like, huh? 
Mm. I just make music, mate. Like, what's going on? Yeah. And that's fine. And then you can then just take the conversation in that direction. But I love trying to at least like peer into that door. And then if I can get it wide open and go inside, amazing. Because mm. art is that, isn't it? Art is about artists trying to make sense of it all. Mm. You, you would like to think. You would like to right? think, yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, it's like, <laughs> that's the thing that I'm always sort of confused by people now who come into what have music, you got to say? Me- music what have you media got to say? who think that this is a chance for them to meet get, celebrities yeah. and get, get free selfies. gig tickets yeah, and yeah, go yeah. on Instagram and, and put those pictures well, up. Well, that's and- the culture at large, isn't it? That's yeah. the world we're in now. Since being in London on Friday afternoon, I think I've seen like two dozen and they're all female, sorry to say, but they are just people taking selfies on the street. Like that's you know, here I am at a train station, and fucking Stuart Lee nails it, doesn't he? In yeah. his latest special, he's like, "Here's my face obscuring the fucking Taj Mahal." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. the, the picture should be, and I read an amazing Instagram like quote from this photographer. It might have even been Randy Blythe. I don't know, but he's like, "Stop fucking putting your face in front of the thing." Yeah. Like the thing is the fucking beauty. Yeah. Like if there's a seagull on a chimney, like that's the thing. Like that's life. Yeah. It's not just your face. Like in massive close-up fucking mm. shocking. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just find the selfie culture me, me, me. But there's an infiltration of um, non-talented people into talent industries, which has been happening... Since reality uh, television, Since reality I television. Yeah. I mean... Across the board. Uh, yeah, which... which And, and people, people have become obsessed with this idea of becoming famous for... Just being famous. Being famous, exactly. I've had someone all. on my podcast, I can't remember who. Uh, it was John Bradley from Game of Thrones. He actually yeah, plays okay. Samuel Tarly. Oh, well, well, good. that's a good segue because we're gonna, I was going to talk about that. Perfect. Well, he was saying, like, if you're trying to be famous for the sake of being famous, like, A, you're fucked because at least if you're an actor or a musician and you become famous, you can hide away from the fame in your craft. And the craft is actually what keeps you sane. Whereas if you are a reality TV star and you're famous for being famous, there's no escape from the fame because the fame is all there is. Mm. You can't hide away in your work because your work is to be in the public eye. And and that's why people fucking go nuts, like child actors. There's There's, no escape. There's a really interesting documentary on Netflix about kind of people who have made it on Vine, I think was one of them. One of them was uh, like a big Vine star who's now engaged to Tommy Lee, I believe. There's this guy uh, who's... uh, he's on Instagram and he basically he was a photographer and I didn't feel sorry for him actually I, I kind of feel like the documentary wanted me to feel sorry for him but basically he's called the slut shamer right, right. and right. So he, he's a pig basically he is <laughs> an awful like he's become and I don't know if he started out as an awful person but he has become an awful well, person well you can now become famous for being an awful person can't you yeah Casey Piers, Hopkins Piers Morgan yeah. Piers Morgan. Morgan. they he, thrive off he it, basically they? was a photographer and he, he used to want to photograph um, sort of photograph bands and he used to want to sort of be a, a sort of nature and wildlife photographer and then he took a picture of people kind of he went to a club and there were a load of pictures of people like I think they call it like champagne bukkake on girls so basically you'll get like five bottles of champagne you'll pop a cork and shove it in a girl's face and he basically takes these really horrible sort of you know degrading pictures of women having champagne bottles shoved in their face in a club full of like leery men and it goes on instagram and he writes some like oh, i got really fucked up last night and, uh, oh, and so he comments as if he's them like, and yeah and he snide. takes all the photos of it and he's become this huge huge person who has to go to a club and is like it's advertised that he's coming to a club every night and he has to go out there and he has to get pissed and he has to fucking hang out with these people and he has to like you know look like he's just fucking party animal yeah, and yeah. Out, away from me he's like oh I hate myself and I don't know what I'm doing and I hate it and all this lot and I was just like 
you kind of, I think the film wants you to feel sorry for him, but I didn't feel sorry for him because I was like, you can stop and go away and just go and be a, a, a like, a, go and do something worthwhile with your life. You but, can, but there's also that notion of the, just fucking do nothing. Moth, the moth to the flame in it. It's like yeah. once you drink from that chalice, and I'm not sympathizing, but I think it is that thing of once you get that taste <laughs> and it's inside you. And then it's, you know, it's very but hard. But he clearly to... hated it. I just didn't understand. He I know. clearly I, I, fucking I, I, hated it. I think it's exactly what Matt's saying, though. I think I think, I think think you just can't stop doing it because... And that's the same with checking your phone all the time for how many likes yep. your photos have, yep. isn't it? It's that yep. I need that gratification. I need yep. validation. That's, that's the value now that people kind of judge their, their worth on. Yeah. And, it, and, and there it's are, so sad. There are nice little perks here and there. We very, you know, we occasionally get people come up to us and like at gigs and stuff, like never on the street or anything, but like at gigs and stuff um, and be, you know, and when they recognise... Do you want a beer? Yeah, <laughs> which is always nice. Have you got any more? Uh, no, I've got any more. Got a bottle of wine there. If you're open you wanna, that. You wanna, can I cock open? Cock open? Can I pop open the Rioja? If you want. Yeah. Is that all right? Yeah, of course. Oh, I'll have a glass if you're having a glass. You Please. fucking you two. Here we are. <laughs> yeah, he would turn one anyway, down. Anyway, as, yeah, <laughs> as I was saying, it is nice. It, it's, a, it's a nice thing when people come up to us and yeah. recognise us and just say nice things. And I think that's what becomes the addictive thing. You know, you get addicted to that kind of recognition maybe rather more than fame i don't know but i find it quite strange like from my own personal point of view and i'm you know there's no way that either of us uh, we're not like celebrities or anything you know i think it's nice and some can actually go thank you you are not a celebrity (laughs) um (laughs) you are not a celebrity but it's really nice when someone comes up and says oh i bought this record because of you i think that's really nice but that is that is the sum total of everything that i get out of it i'm fine thanks for a glass of wine (laughs) that's just offering Um, a glass of wine yeah it's Um, 20 past eight in the morning unbelievable Uh, i i you know i i think it's i'm really glad for the bands and i'm really glad that people are i think it's really nice that people care that much about my stupid fucking opinion Opinion. enough that they would do would buy a record on my say so when they don't know me at all Thank you, I think that's really nice but in terms of it being like you know a, a buzz that someone comes up and speaks to you that doesn't know you I mean you loads of people like you just you're at a gig with like minded people and I think that not, it's nice to talk to people in general yeah not, you know not, what I mean? not so much a buzz just 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 it's but nice. yeah I know it's what you nice. mean like it, is, nice, it, you know. it is nice but I wouldn't I mean I've just never really thought of Myself, but you're not a very you? social person. And I'm you hate not a particularly social <laughs> you person. You do hate people. I kind of do. But that's not to say I hate people coming up and saying like, hey man, I really like that record. I really like, or I really like the podcast, whatever. That's really, really nice. But yeah. to me, we're, we're not, we are, vest- like, I, I think of us as kind of the middlemen between bands and their fans in a lot of ways because we're, to me, I'm just going can I find potential fans for music that I think really deserves lots of people to listen to it? That's it. Yeah. It's not about me. If someone there's, there's likes... A ho- there's, a horrible, likes... W- there's a horrible word for it in the industry, which is tastemakers, which I can't stand. But no, yes, well, I, I wasn't going to use that in any well, way whatsoever. I'm, I'm just I think the minute you think that you're bigger than the music you're trying to champion and celebrate, that's when you lose sight of the quest. And it's, yeah. There's one word worse than that, though, and that's influencer. And that's probably the worst word that's ever been applied to you know, the people that claim to... Like, an influencer is the Dalai Lama. Do you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> it's Martin Luther King. That's an influencer. Mm, like, yeah. Nelson Mandela was an influencer. Yeah, to me, like... Someone who Jake, takes fucking even, selfies is not an influencer. No, you're not influencer. But, but although they are influencing 
other idiots to do the same thing. And but are they? I mean, I think those people would do well, it anyway, well, wouldn't they? The Jacob Bannon so, yeah. is an influence. Like, Ian Mackay is an influencer in a mm. lot of ways, because, to me, because he has influenced not just the music I like, but kind of the way I think as well. Yeah. Kind of the way I feel about stuff. So he is an influencer, but you would never describe him as... And like you say, it's those people as well. Word. Yeah, it's not, it's but not that's the best. A, but, but also he's having a positive you know, influence on your yeah. life. Whereas... Osama bin Laden's an influence Well, I don't... Hitler was an influencer. Well, but also... Not I, a good one. I don't believe the Kardashians... The I don't believe the Kardashians are having a positive influence on people's lives, to be honest. I think they're just making... Isn't them it a trend that people backwards. are actually getting butt implants now to have larger asses because of her? I mean... And I, that's when it gets to, like, the level of insanity. Yeah. That you're like, insane. why would you fucking enlarge your ass purposefully because someone... Off the telly did it. Yeah. I, I never even knew her old man was the, the lawyer that represented David OJ. Schwimmer. Yeah, David Schwimmer, yeah. <laughs> He's great in that, isn't he? He is very good. Really yeah. good in that. I never um, knew that. And that is, I guess, how that family came to be yeah. successful. Well, it's like, I nuts. mean, the first one I re- the first person I remember being, fa- I, I feel like we're going on a bit of a tangent. We've gone way off piece. But uh, the first person I remember being famous for being famous was Tara pa- Palmer Tor- Tomkinson. Can you remember? Mm. Tara Palmer Tor- Tomkinson. in yeah. the 60s, that was... In kind the 60s, of, that was the 90s. No, but in the 60s was the birth of socialites, right? Yeah, Like you'd so. have people who were around rock and roll bands and mm. were sort of... So Marianne Faithful. Ex- exactly, yeah. People Although like that. Although she was a singer in her own sort, sort of, yeah. There was that woman who took... There was that woman who took casts of rock stars' yeah, dicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember her name, name but yeah. Apologies. And that was her thing. That was all she did. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I guess that was the start of it, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I guess it was, yeah. Socialites. Mm. Yeah. We Maybe. have gone way off piece a little Let's bit. Let's bring it back. Right. We'll bring it back. I, I was going to John ask, Bradley and you. And I was going to say to you, you said to me, because although I don't think you'll ever be able to shake how much you love rock and roll, and that is definitely... Put another in the jukebox, baby. I think that will always be the thing that you sort of love the most. I also know that you have said, you've said to me um, previously... I can't be dealing with rock music in a kind of media-based way now. And I've noticed the likes of Alice Lowe and, like you say, John Bradley. I mean, I've always been more interested in cinema than music, always. I did film at uni. It's always actually been my first passion. But I got that job on Kerrang! and then kind of never yeah. looked back. Because mm. I actually didn't listen to any, this is the truth, I didn't listen to any new rock music between the years of 2006 and 2010 when I joined Kerrang. Uh-huh. Um, all well, I you did... You were a shock, weren't you? Was, well, yeah, I was like, <laughs> Avenged Sevenfold, My Chemical Romance, who are all these bands? What is emo? What is metalcore? I just didn't know any of it because mm. I had discovered the Buzzcocks and the Clash and the Sex Pistols and I had just gone down that rabbit hole for four years all the way back through 60s garage rock to 60s kind of American surf rock to rock and roll, rockabilly. Like I just went, I guess, like the history of music and tried to get from punk to the birth of that, like Little Richard. Mm. And so I tapped out and I think everybody who knows me for my work thinks, oh, he's a music guy. But actually film has always been my first love. And you what did I'm, that at university, didn't you? I did, yeah, English and film. And so yeah. what I'm trying to do, and I've sort of tried to pepper it subtly and slowly rather than just go, right, no more. And I yeah, always yeah, interview yeah. musicians, you know, I'll always interview particularly punk bands because that's my jam. Yeah. Um, but for me the interest is a lot more and the focus is a lot more now this year going to be on actors and comedians as well. Mm. Well, no, you got me hooking you up with a bunch of comedians. Have you it? sent a message yet? I bet you haven't, have you? 
I haven't actually. Yeah, of course he hasn't. Oh, I said I was going to. The guys that you want, will do, I'm sure will do it if I want to send him a message. If I, yes, that's a power play that has run through. Michael McIntyre. I'm a power player. You're in my pocket now. Yeah. No, no, they will. They're good dudes, so they would. But yeah, was there a question? Off the back of that, well, no, it was just observation. I, it was, it was a, it was an observation, um, and it b, I think it, you, you know, it was sort of, I thought it was slightly telling uh, that you wanted to go down that route um, on the back of saying, you know, rock music's kind of finished. For me, um, it is, and, right, it, okay. and that, that's really just a personal taste thing. I know all the bands. I mean, every now and like I adore the Struts. I think the Struts are fucking kick ass. I love their new album, mm. but for me, I know that I would sooner listen to Neil Young than I would any band that's around now. Do you know what I mean? And that's yeah. just a personal taste thing. And I know that Bob Dylan, for me, will have a much dearer place in my heart than any new band that's going to come from anywhere. And I just know what I like. And I think I've reached a point where I'm like, the act of discovery isn't, for me, an appeal anymore. Does that if it catches come... me off guard, then I can get excited. But I'm not out there like you guys searching for it and trying to find the next thing that you can get behind and go, this is fucking great. Yeah. I, I think that's an incredibly... Um common thing to happen age, I think isn't it? I age. think it's age yeah. and I think when you're a teenager you do want to discover your own thing and you do want your own thing to call your own and then as you grow older life kind of gets in the way and it becomes a bit of a chore well yeah that's what that. happens to all my friends and I imagine yes. you guys probably the same like all the guys you yeah. used to go to gigs with are now yeah. like oh you know I've got two kids and I'm married and yeah. don't really listen to music anymore I haven't got time for it and that's yeah. fair enough because you I know being a parent I'm sure is a fucking hardcore full-time absolutely gig. of course and and i i, I appreciate that you're <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate that you're not saying this but i think sometimes when people go oh there's no good music out there anymore what they actually mean is they they've have tapped lost, out they've tapped out and they yeah. can't be asked to look for it anymore which is fine i would say this though and i don't want to say uh too much of an unpopular statement but i said to steve the other day and i'll say it because i don't mind i was tripping out on magic mushrooms at my friend's house and i heard xtc making plans for nigel and obviously, I mean, I, and I will say this, like mushrooms, if you haven't done them, do them. <laughs> like, <laughs> they oh, that, are, oh, that's what you put in my wine. I was wondering. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. are just without a doubt. They're from the earth. It's the same thing as cannabis. Cannabis doesn't work with me. It doesn't agree with me. It makes me paranoid. It's, it's not my uh, chosen drug. But mushrooms are from the earth. They're natural, mm -hmm. right? And the, the effect that they have on the mind, it helps with mental illness like it's proven. And they just open up new doors and they make you see things in a different light. And I was tripping out and XTC making plans for Nigel came on and it just sounded so rich and full. And then I had a moment of realization where I was like, for me, music isn't as good today as it was in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Personally, it just isn't. And that, I don't know whether that's a taste thing or whether I'm saying like a very unpopular thing here by kind of saying music is over, but I just hear old music and it's just so much more rich and deep and exciting. Mm. And mm. I would argue that's a taste thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, think, um, uh, I don't think, I don't think you could say that yeah. objectively. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, that's pro probably a taste. Do you think we could get sponsored by magic mushrooms, Steve? Dude, I, would cool. is, is I would love a, to. I would love to. Is there a special? Just a farmer, just yet. some farmer. They grow, <laughs> they, they grow on my field. I'll yeah. sponsor you. <laughs> yeah. All the shrooms um, you can eat for life. But it's, it's a great drug. Uh, not to just be a fucking spokesperson <laughs> for, yeah. for psychotropic drugs, but um, it, it really is a way of discovering new music for the first time in a whole new life. Yeah. And there's a reason why most of the best music ever written comes from drugs, right? right Jimi yeah. Hendrix, Miles Davis. Like, if you look at the all-time fucking geniuses, a lot of those dudes were taking drugs. 
there's a hell of a lot of great straight edge bands though. I, I think I think there's a hell of a lot of great. Are they straight... Jimi Hendrix level? Are they? Oh Miles come on! Davis well, level? yeah, that's not fair. You know that's I mean? not fair. Well, to... How is that not fair? Well, because it's a completely different thing, isn't it? I also well, yeah, I not as good. I I, I I also think there's a bit of a like obviously false... fucking hard drugs. Uh, you know, <laughs> Kurt Cobain, one yeah, yeah, of many. Yeah. Fucking Billy Holiday. Obviously, it ruins lives as well, and it yeah. does in many cases actually kill creativity. Yeah. Um, but there's that sweet spot, I think, and it depends, I guess, on what drugs the artist is on. I, I but Jimi Hendrix was operating on a fucking alien level of creativity. I think, and I that think, came from LSD. Like. I think there's a bit of a falsehood, though. Like we keep going back to Jimi Hendrix as like well, the Sergeant Pepper's, Sergeant Pepper's. Sure. No, well, if no, no, no. No such thing as acid. Then but, that what, album would not exist. Pet sounds. Man. What I'm suggesting, I'm not suggesting that those albums weren't. Uh, fueled somehow by drugs in some way, shape, or form. But those songwriters had to be talented as fuck in the first place. Yes, but I would also say at that time there were fewer artists to choose from, so there was more consensus as to what is the best of this particular thing. And the th- the thing is, is when you give human beings choice, they just go it's ah, the wrong, wrong thing know. to do, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but but that's the thing. <laughs> Too much. There are plenty of people who are doing like Hendrix style stuff now it's just they're playing in their bedrooms and no one has access to seeing them because of the way that so many more people do music like so many more people make music I mean if you think now the kind of the 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 the, the popular drugs and the popular music you would look at someone like Post Malone he's talking about doing you know Xanax and I mean dude that shit like and more so I guess um like opiates Mm. I mean, that is just an epidemic in America. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, Prince, Cornell, like all these people are fucking, it's claiming lives. I tell you what, I spoke to, going back to talking about psychedelics and stuff, I did a piece for Metal Hammer. I thought you were about to say I did a fucking, no, no, I did a piece (laughs) for Metal Hammer. Yes, mate, for Metal Hammer. Welcome to the light. I did uh, a piece (laughs) with um, Brett from Paul Bearer. And Paul Bearer fucking, they're a band who you listen to and you go, now that is rich and deep and, you know, like, but again, it definitely arcs back to another time. But they're the sort of band that I look at someone like Paul Bearer who so respectful of the lineage of rock music, so ingrained in, like, he was properly like, I don't give a, like, it's illegal. Because I was going, you know, you're kind of going on the magazines, you're basically going like, yeah, do loads of psychedelic drugs, you should do that. And he was like, I don't give a fuck, you should. Mm. And was properly like, nah, you, they're great. And they've really helped our music and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, you know, it has made me, you know, a little, a little wi- bit fringe. a little wild uh, on occasions, and I have like you know sort of <laughs> thought that my dick has turned into a dragon and all this kind when of stuff. When you play with fire, but, you get burnt. Yeah. yeah, but and he was quite open about talking about all the sort of like fucked up brain frazzles. That's my that dream guest. That's my dream guest. People like that who are just open and honest with mm. you know what they believe in and what they do, and they yeah. don't try and fucking hide behind. And them. to me, Paul Bearer make a type of music where you go. What's their you, name? Sorry. Paul Bearer. What a great band name. Mm. Yeah. Oh, Never yeah, heard yeah, of it. Yeah. Like, they're fucking great. And it's, it's like pure, Pink Floyd. It's pure, like, you know, Pink Floyd Sabbath worship. Mm. Drug music. But mm. yeah, completely. But like, they're, you know, I, this is kind of going back to can rock music ever. Like, you know, I, I feel like you're someone who's gone, that's not for me anymore. And concentrating on cinema, which I know is a massive passion of yours. Well, here's anyway. what's interesting. I think film is thriving and television is thriving, right? Yeah. If you look at, I mean, if only the music industry had kind of done what netflix have done and what i guess companies like marvel have done like people will pay now what is it like 18 pounds in some cinemas mm-hmm. to go see one film once you don't get anything 
like tangible from that. Mm. You can't take it home with you, but they will still go to a fucking cinema and pay almost 20 pounds to watch a film once. Yet people will not go into a fucking HMV store and pay what is probably now eight or nine pounds for a classic album. They they'll go to, the they'll go to they'll a go gig. To live gigs. Though. Yeah, they'll go to gigs. The, but that's the comparative, isn't it? That is like those people, they're not buying it on DVD. No. So I, you know. No, but they are all, like, who doesn't have a Netflix account that you know? And doesn't pay. Yeah, he doesn't have a Spotify. Account, I, I don't have a Netflix account, and I don't have a Spotify account. But that's because I'm an old man. Um, but How old the, are you? I'm thirty. I've just turned thirty-four, haven't I? You yeah, have, yeah. Oh, do you know what? I didn't say happy birthday to yep. you, Renfrew. On scum. The, Cunt. I, 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 I completely, completely forgot. And what, you're thirty-eight. Yeah, well, yeah, I'll yeah. probably be. I just let's just say fifty. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to celebrity. Can't age. wait. To I'm die. taking off twelve years. Can't. I'm very glad you brought up Netflix because um, the, uh, this was the point that I was going to make earlier about um, what we were talking about with Holy Raw. Netflix has made this streaming model work, and they are making money from it stuff, because they? they're producing stuff exactly. Yeah. And this is why I think the answer to music industry's prayers. And like I say, this isn't my idea. This is actually Alex Fitzpatrick yeah, from uh, Holy Raw. Uh, he was like. If Spotify acted as a record label and said to a band, here's £10,000, go make an album, and in exchange for that, we get exclusive streaming rights, the music industry can actually... That's the solution right there, there we and go. staring everyone in the face. But will uh, they yeah. do it? But, I mean, I guess the last kind of big, big band, guitar band in metal or whatever, well, there's Avenge, but one of the bands who have made a bit of money is asking Alexandria. Yeah. I've spoken to Danny. Made a bit of money, haven't you? They made, made a bit, bit of money, money. <laughs> they asking Alexandria. Got more, money, money. got more money than you, mate. Slagging them off. Got more money than you. Yeah. Saddam Hussein lived in a palace made out of gold, mate. It doesn't mean anything, does it? Um, and, uh, but, but Danny from Asking Alexandria, who I like, by the way. I don't particularly like, I don't like Asking Alexandria. He's a character, isn't he? He's, He's good. Character. He's good. Danny Warsnop is good. Danny's told me um before about kind of going i'm gonna go sober and the record label going nah get fucked doesn't fit in with the brand get really? fucked. yeah in yeah, the kind of early day and asking Alexandria, but you know they were they were one of the last kind of guitar rock metal cash cows for a label you know they sold but does anyone in the mainstream for me the last big rock band not metal but rock was the darkness yep because they were in the pop world in the actual mainstream consciousness and yet were still reported on Mike by Kemp? Kerrang. I don't think in the mainstream. Ooh, no. Was Emo know. was a thing. Number was like, one hit. Number one. No. Nothing the like the level of the darkness. No, no, nothing You're like not going to go to Doreen darkness. on the fucking street and be like, do you know My Chemical Romance? She'd be like, I don't know what you're on about. But then you well, go, they had I that, believe in a thing called love. No, yeah, I know They that. had that whole Daily mm. Mail hate campaign But that thing. wasn't necessarily about them as much as that genre, right? It was a lot more, let's mm. vilify emo as a mm. culture that takes yeah. They got a number lives. one hit single. That's all I'm... They yeah, but a, dude, what's a number one hit single nowadays? 20,000 Well, not nowadays, but this was 2006. Yeah. I so guess. I what would, was Darkness? 2004, was it? 2003, Just, 2004, yeah. Mm. So basically the tail end, wasn't it? That was yeah. mm. 2006-7 was the end of the record yeah, industry, I would, it? I would say my Ken were the last ones, yeah. for me. Yeah. Mm. But that's because, well, stream... Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. When I started on Kerrang, you know, I said earlier I hadn't listened to anything new in four years. What I saw with that band was I've never seen anything like this since and maybe won't again. So I actually fully agree with your point is it was this total divide of age and everybody over a certain age fucking hated yeah, yeah, My yeah. Chemical Romance. Hated them yeah. to this illogical level. Whereas kids 
were literally like passing out and going, they saved my life, they saved my life. And I'd be on the radio and I'd do requests for the final hour of every night and all night, every night for the first year or so. It was because I think that last album they did, Danger Days, had just yeah. come out. And people were like, Killjoys, Killjoys. That's what they called their little crew, like Kiss Army, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd, I'd never seen a division like that amongst rock fans. It's and it hasn't happened since. You haven't seen a whole... A whole contingency, maybe with baby metal, but nothing Started like. Started with new metal. Uh, I well, I was, I was going to say it's, it's nowhere but near the was, same. This really was not. like fucking obsession. This was like a band that would make people faint, like yeah. if they walk past them on the street, it's, like Michael Jackson level hysteria. You know, it's nowhere near the same scale yet. Although it could get there potentially, but probably not because there isn't a the music industry. But that whole age divide thing is definitely happening with Creeper. I think you think so. Yeah, but obviously on a much, much, much smaller scale. Do you think that band will deliver? I don't know. What, in a MyChem way or mm. just deliver? Yeah, quote? that kind of, we're a cult. I Do you think they'll ever become an actual... I don't think there's a... Arena band that has this whole I, I don't think there's a record and... industry to support them doing that. So no. I don't know. I think you can... Well, Do they have the talent? Do you two consider I rate them? Creeper I think they have, very, I think they have the highly. talent, but yeah. I don't think that's... Do you think the they thing do? about they Creeper as well... The infrastructure was there. Yeah. The thing about Creeper as well is they have done years in. Well, they're, I, I they're think punks, aren't they? They're, they're punks. They're, they're legit. Uh, punks. Will was yeah, in yeah. Uh, that hardcore band. Uh, I can't remember uh, at all. Down up, yeah, they yeah. are just riffing but, on Meatloaf, though, aren't they? Yeah, well, fuck that. Who gives a shit? Extent, yeah, but yeah, but who's, who, well, who was the last band who riffed on Meatloaf? Well, exactly. Yeah. And why the hell are not more bands not? I mean, I mean like, we're about you, baby. To give Creeper, like, <laughs> I, I don't think I like Creeper as much as you, but I do quite admire them. And they're mixing Meatloaf with punk. And with I AFI, don't, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah, don't yeah. think anyone's ever done that before. No. Because that no, sounds no. mental. Yeah. But then you hear it and it's like, oh, that kind of works. Yeah, I mean, uh, Will's so into kind of... Um, the Loaf. Know, Jim, yeah, Meatloaf and Jim... Uh, <laughs> Steinman. Jim, Jim Steinman. Jim yeah. like, he's He's a the, character, he, man. You Jim seen that documentary on him? No, he is, no. he is batshit mental. Well, that dude. I said I, I I watched a meatloaf documentary. Um, uh, to the day I when I got back to my um little bedroom that I was having at uh, two thousand trees. Uh, <laughs> oh, Where you were going with that? Yeah, it was something about like, little. I, well, it wasn't a hotel. It was like a <laughs> who put you up in that? Airbnb. It, it was the tight bastard. Uh, Vice. Actually. Vice was it? Yeah, it was. Oh, there Vice. you go. Um, but yeah, so uh, but I picked it. I just didn't want to spend too much money. Sure, you know sure. I mean? There are um, other magazines available. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, there are. Uh, other type bastards available <laughs> and um i was watching this documentary and i was saying oh i saw will the next day and he was like oh what did you ask that and i went i watched a documentary about me life and jim steinman made that crazy mental awful solo album and he was like it's fucking brilliant and he went he went mad at me i thought he was gonna punch. I've never seen him get angry before but i thought he was gonna punch me when I, when I said the jim steinman solo album was shit so and i haven't even heard it i was like apparently it's really shit and he was like, like it is not it is not no it's not uh so yeah but yeah i think they're the the real and they're the thing there are bands out there and this is the problem there are bands out there and i guess blackfell bride kind of yeah but again they're not like, good but they no. almost got to that level and of, could you name a black veil bride song one like even one, I one good song that they have the one good song for me is in the end that's a good tune in the that's, end that's lincoln park no yeah. that's the different i was making end. a joke I was making- uh yeah <laughs> um but but yeah but not in a not in a not in a um uh, my chem way or no a, or a, yeah, yeah yeah i mean it was crazy just that the amount of hate the older people were, and it, I guess it goes back to that same idea of shitting on your own doorstep. Mm. Like mm. the rock con- community contingency, whatever you want to call it, is so guilty of that. 
But I think, ho- I think those people are dying off slowly. Can't these new bands more and go, fuck Well, it, it depends, doesn't it? Because if it's Black Veil Brides, then no. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's Bullet for a Valentine, no. Like, this is the thing that yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think it's hard because this is something that I hear. Like, oh, well, you won't help. You're not helping rock music by slagging off Bullet for a Valentine. I was like, well, Bullet for a Valentine aren't helping rock music by being Bullet for a Valentine, <laughs> aren't they? They're not helping it. They're making it rubbish. And it's like, I'd be much like... We've got to thin out the herd, yeah. Yeah, they're like... <laughs> And, and this was actually, you know, I fucking miss doing this shit with you. Man. <laughs> He's a funny motherfucker, isn't he? The thing is, it's true though. It's like, I, it's true. I am. It's, it's that is true. Like, if it's Black Peaks that are, that are, that people are pushing, and they, but it, that's the problem. Is I think that it goes right back to what we were saying at the start. Is that when you get people that are pushing these bands, like, why are you? Why are you pushing? Why am I getting fucking? I'm trying to think of one of the well, dude, really here's shit a fucking ones. great example. King fucking 810, whatever they're called. Ah, this yeah. will be interesting. They will be interesting. Let's talk about them because when they appeared from out of fucking nowhere, uh, the whole music industry was like, you will like this band. They are the next Slipknot. You will like them. And I feel like when the industry pushes a band that hard, people fucking don't like it because it yeah. feels insincere and gross. And I think maybe that's where some of the creeper backlash comes <laughs> from is because they're another one of those bands that have been so shoved down people's throats, yes. I think a lot of the people who don't like Creeper or claim to not like them probably haven't even heard their music. They mm. just don't like the idea of being told what to like, that this is the next thing and you will like it. I think that's and I feel like reaction, King though. 810 came out of the gate with that approach, didn't they? Their whole team was very much like, no, no, yeah. this is it. It was infuriating. Yeah, I found and it they really were pretty fucking garbage to begin with, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I, yeah. I, I mean, I have, a, have different I, opinions. Yeah, but I, I think they're. A conf- I think King Eight One are a confusing band. But I certainly think you're completely correct in in saying that people were deeply sceptical. Yes. about King Eight One O, and rightly so. Yeah. I think because it wasn't like, especially if it's what they're claiming to kind of represent and sing about as well. Yeah, it's like, is this real? Yeah, and and of course people were sceptical, but I also think people people didn't used to be like that. Like when I was growing up, I'd buy Kerrang! and if they went, but that was pre-internet, wasn't it? Of and course, that's the thing that course, changed everything. Course, back yeah. then, you would pick up Kerrang! or Sounds or Enemy or whatever it was, and you would that would be your way of discovering music, and you would trust the opinion of the writer, right? Yeah. Because there was no other, you couldn't just go and fucking Google who that band is. You'd have to take this writer's words for it. But they I mean, get your hands on a CD, hear it, and then be like, oh my god. Whereas with the internet, obviously that stripped all that away, and so for me just a very quick sidetrack like doing what you guys do is so important because you're not saying listen to this listen to this listen to this fucking you need to it's just like maybe you should because you'll probably like it you are a and bit you're... fucked up to be fair oh yeah i am <laughs> <that fucked up. laughs> but yeah so i see uh, <laughs> thank you and i see what you're saying do you know what i mean but th- that's the thing though is that you're one I of would... the few people that people who actually like music probably trust now because you're now well, I here. So. I hope so. I mean, yeah. yeah, I'd like... I, like, Zane Lowe was so fucking great as a broadcaster, and he was such a huge inspiration to me as a presenter, but he was very much, everything that's new is great. Every, yeah, New's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which gets and really great. to the point where you're like, really, quickly. is it all great? Yeah, I know, yeah. that's the th- uh, something I find quite infuriating. And then can I believe when you say something is great, because that last thing yeah. was not so great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've had people going, uh, there was actually... Uh, I went, I'll, I'll go back to my King 810 point comparing it with Kerrang. Like when, or I, I didn't know, when, when Kerrang said, we're putting the Gaslight Anthem or we're putting Gallows on the front cover or even to go back further than that, like when they first covered Corn and they were like, oh my God, Corn!" And I was like, oh, well, there's this, th- or at the drive-in, oh my God, they're the best new band around. And you wouldn't go, oh, bullshit. 
you'd go, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to... Fucking A, yeah, a new yeah, chapter. Yeah, I need to check that out. And yeah, they yeah. used to get it right so often. But yeah. for me, yeah, when, they, the thing, when they started going, oh, five seconds of summer are great. And you're like, no, they're not. Yeah. Or, oh, bullet from my... Bullet from my because bullet they're right fucking desperate for cover stars. Yeah. To yeah. sell magazines to mm. fucking keep it going. Like and it means that people are... The, the second that you go, you know, like, I've been burnt too many times with listening to your terrible fucking... Well, Black Veil Brides is a big one, wasn't it? Yeah, that we're getting plastered over the cover. Yeah, it's like the Black Veil like, Black hey. Brides are going to be massive, and you I know, my Chemical Romance are actually a fucking great band. Yeah, like, whatever yeah. you think about them, they're a fucking brilliant band. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and and it, it was so many like these are the best new band. This is the best new band. This is the best new band. So when King Eight One Zero come along. And it's like they've come from literally come from nowhere. They're talking about guns all the time. Flint, it's, Michigan. Flint, Michigan. Well, Flint, yeah, literally yeah, nowhere. Yeah, yeah. And and it was, and it was just. Matt's just gone for the wine, by the Matt's way. Matt's gone uh, straight for the wine. You're yes, going to yes, nail yes. that bottle, aren't you? Yeah. And it, and I think people had <laughs> kind you. of that. They could have been any band, King Eight One Zero. I don't actually think it was about the quality or lack of quality of King Eight One Zero that fucked King Eight One Zero. It was the sort of massively. Um, the grossness and which yeah, the violent, the kind of the violent way that the that they the, the, they kind of were were foisted upon you. You are gonna fucking love this band. You are gonna love this band. He's alright, isn't he, your um, boy? Yeah, he's like <laughs> you two like a drink, don't you? Um, and um, and yeah, and I, my I think people, I think people are kind of have just, I think people are, can see the sort of cynical nature of that now, and I think it's very very difficult to know how you recommend stuff if you are on a big label because i think people have sort of they're very distrustful of the music industry now and they and and they can find out within five minutes whether they're being lied to well that's the other thing by hitting play yeah 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 Yeah. that's not even information just actually hearing it yeah you know if it blew the gates off from the way it sounded then you'd be all right i mean like imagine not fucking being excited by corn when corn came out Mm. do you know Mm. i mean imagine not thinking fuck me yeah this is out there this is fresh this is fucking brilliant Mm. you know Mm. and that's what we you know like i mean i was i remember slipknot another one i remember you know nine guys in boiler suits and masks how are you not going to shit your fucking pants when you see that even just seeing the image there there was was some cynicism initially i was was so cynical about slipknot and then uh, when i heard there was i think i've said it before there was a kerrang there was a cover mount cd of kerrang and it was the spirit of independence so it was Mm. all bands on indie labels and it was you know like atari teenage slipknot were in between neurosis and atari teenage riot and i Mm. I was that stupid fucking nine man new man and by this point i was so like new metal is done it's awful like it's spine shank and ultra you know seven paparoach like, i guess yeah. were massive at that time or was no it's it before just before, before them yeah. was it? But only and just. and um and i was just like it's done it's over it's completely done and then hearing eyeless on that that cd made me oh, go this like this is this is mad good dangerous isn't it mm, like yeah. terrifying yeah. Yeah. yeah but um there was something i was gonna say and i've forgotten what it was now king 810 anything king. to do with that the presentation or people making up their own minds uh it would have been something to do that but you guys said something wrong. i don't think king ain't one i don't <laughs> great think... point well made thank you i was just completely i, I don't I, was I hope and he's isn't... not even drinking ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. i hope this is going on the tangent mush. but no. i don't think king 810 helps themselves by not showing of... up for fucking gigs that they got well, booked for there was <laughs> they're that... gonna be a download they're gonna cry oh they're not actually here yeah yeah they yeah get on there the plane. Oh, definitely great. that but they were also kind of presented as this, this like art rock thing and then you know you've got david dunn just being like oh, i put a gun to my face and i pull the trigger every day it's my life you know, you know that gun and it's like gcse bullshit you know it's yeah just, I, mean, I felt like that but i haven't heard the the latter day stuff which you said is actually i've 
think nowhere near on par, or maybe you said it was, but like a Nick Cave style of poetry well, and darkness. They're about to release and, their third album. But I, all I heard is you heard. said that. I've so just like I've heard. schoolboy playground fucking cheap imitation. I've like only that. heard the first two records. So, and I think both of them are schoolboy. <sighs> so here's the thing that I think with King 81. He likes him, doesn't he? I can see him. He gets that look in his eye when he, he likes about him. No, 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 no. I think, I think it's, it, it's an odd and quite a frustrating thing with them because they obviously, we were talking earlier about metal needing to change and metal needing to do other things, right? And King 810 are a band who should be a kind of mainstream metal band like there's no point comparing them to Neurosis or Ulva or any of not. the very very yeah. very artistically minded yeah. underground bands who are never going to yeah. break through that was a huge and, and, mistake and be like yeah. a, a, like that is not going to happen right but what they have done is they have taken bits of you know kind of um, modern hip hop and they have taken influence from Tom Waits and they have taken influence from Nick Cave and they have taken influence from Radiohead what's and, he building in there yeah <laughs> yeah and it's obviously it's not as good but for someone who likes, who listens to Slipknot and Five Finger Death Punch, for them to be exposed to a band who has a sound level of like artistry, corn, but also ha- sound a bit like Nick, like have something that is relatable to Nick Cave, something that is so far outside the walls of metal that, like the the kind of the, the the very kind of thin veneer of mainstream metal that you and I kind of have had to experience and be like exposed to especially when we were doing the radio during that time where it was like this is what metal sounds like it just sounds like Judas Priest it just sounds like Iron Maiden and they don't and I think it's harsh of people to to it's harsh of people to go well that's not what that's that's not what that is so I don't want it and also I think you know you can go oh it's GCSE schoolboy blah 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 I would rather that they were a doorway into somebody going well this is different and people keep comparing it to Nick Cave I think I'll go mm. and listen to the, like Let Love In or whatever. Do you know what I mean? I'd rather that. What an album. Yeah. But yeah. I would rather that than someone just go, oh, they're another band that sound like Slipknot. They sound a bit like Slipknot, but not quite as good. Oh, I think I'll listen to the new Soilwork album. That's fair. <laughs> I, I, I think, I think it's just... Who would not want to hear that? Uh, us. Um, I, think, I think it's just... I um, like it. I, I think it's just that middle ground thing, though. I don't think... I think art is at its best when you push something to an extreme. Yeah. And King 810 are just smack bang in this middle ground of like, well, we'll do a little bit of this with a little bit of that and see what happens. And isn't it hard and weird that some people can take influences and create something entirely new and exciting? And then, as you say, other people can take influences and kind of just sound like a lesser version of that. Of yeah. course, but then that's, right? that's where that's where the artist comes into it. That's where, you know, quality comes quality in, comes yeah, in. originality. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, I kind of admire King 810's bravery. And I admire their um, the scope of their ambition. Hey, mate, you've got to be brave living in Flint, Michigan. Well, Gun capital have, yeah. of the world, don't you know? Yeah. got to be brave. They and poisoned the water there. Yeah. Like they, they found out <laughs> yeah, that count, the, the county or that's whatever fucked. it is, the, the, the government or whatever, were poisoning the, their own water supply. Yeah. So, yeah, you've got to be brave. The problem is with them is that the other half of it, the kind of the corn slipknot, is so kind of clunkily handled that when I think that when they do do something good or when they do do something interesting or when they do kind of try and change that genre into something else, it's too late. People have already, you know, their new album, which at this point I assume we will have reviewed reviewed it it by the time this goes out. So they've got a fourth, is it? This is the third. This is the third. Yeah, so the third, the first half of it is terrible. It's absolutely (laughs) terrible. And the second half of it and you're just sick of it but you get the second half and you go this is actually much 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 better much more I guess you guys have to do that but I can't if I'm like three songs into an album and it's not connecting like I'm out 
Do you know I, what I mean? I, 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 I can't see that through to the end if I'm the not thing. in by the most, first most, half of side one. Most people are because they don't... Well, we talk about this a lot, but you know, you don't have all you're investing is your time. You're not investing your money anymore. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. If, yeah. You, had bought yeah, if that, you buy an album, you're like, fuck, I bought it. Even exactly. if it's not that good, I'm still going to play it out if of it. If you bought yeah. that record 20 years ago, you might not have... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, so, it yeah, might yeah, mean yeah. you, you know, you miss a lot of stuff. Because I do think the kind of the side B, for want of a better word, on the new King 810 album is good. Like, mm. there's got some good things about it. It's not perfect, maybe it's just the imagination. But if that was an EP that was released under, if, if I played you that mm. as an EP and gone, there's a new band, there's a band you've never heard before, mm. I've listened to that, I think you'd. He'd you, go, this is GCSE Nick Cave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> King 810, it's got to be. Yeah. The uh, ruse I, know, I, I think you'd, I think you'd go, oh, okay, well, some of this is quite interesting. And, you know, there's... Uh, anyway, that's a completely different thing. You're right. I think the it's media... It's funny that the people listening to this will know whether that's the case or not before I know it, because I've not heard it whilst yeah. we're recording this. Oh, yeah. Uh, my mind. But you're right. In terms of what the media did with King 810... Uh, it was it was a mistake, and, and, but and it went the to live show side as well. Not... The promoting live side yeah, of it was yeah. very much the same as well. Like. Yeah, if you recall the uh, the stupid fucking uh, putting like the bodyguards, what was it? Yeah, the, they those, had like they their had gang members, gang the, members like, on stage, like trying to like call you out, kind of bullshit. I mean, if that was body count in the nineties, that would have been cool and exciting sure. and dangerous. But, sure. but yeah, now but you kind of look at it and go, police tape across the stage, police tape across the stage. I mean, you know, making an obvious as fuck though, isn't it? But it is a little bit obvious <laughs> as fuck it, it, it was a little bit obvious oh, i don't really know um, anyway we've given them far too much airtime. <laughs> yeah, we have. where should we go next well i was gonna say um so <laughs> i think it was in turn you know like what you were saying to me about why can't you get but why can't metal fans get behind it why can't you get behind this why can't you get behind that the problem is is i i feel like this goes back to what i was initially saying when we were on team rock i feel like maybe not on team rock but i feel like if people were exposed enough to the really good stuff. Like I was excited when I started Team Rock because as most people know, I was on the Metal Hammer podcast and we had cultivated or, you know, throughout everyone that did that podcast, not just me and Merlin who ended up sort of finishing it, but, you know, the guys who did it before before us had managed to cultivate this really, really cool, really accepting, um, really like passionate... Open-minded fan base. Open-minded right, yeah, fan yeah. base of people. So I could go on there and go, who... You know, I really like Caving. You know, if you're this age, you probably haven't heard them. You should go and listen to Jupiter by Caving. And then I'd get tweets from people going, "Oh my god, I just in the Caving. It's fucking brilliant." Who's that Irish band that you love? Curb Dog. <laughs> <laughs> How often does it go on about them? Oh, oh all the time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Curb Dog are great. Curb Dog are great. I'm not great, saying yeah. they're not. I just love how much he loves them. Oh, I fucking love them. Um, on the turn. Yeah. Nirvana are the American. People say that Curb Dog are the Irish Nirvana. Nirvana are the American When I say people, I mean dog. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Nirvana are the American Curb Dog. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Husker do with his curb dog from Washington. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Um, Take that bottle. Hold. But um, yeah, uh, but it was it was a weird thing because I came into it was put in the hands of the wrong people. I think, well, we I, think I came into that, that station right? thinking I'm going to be able to actually play these bands and have it be received. And I'll be able to speak about these bands and go, "You fucking need to listen to this." Well, not, not fucking, not it's radio. Fucking, right? <laughs> I think that's what they call them. Five finger death cunt. Yeah. I called them once. Didn't I? Did you really? Do you remember? Oh, Did you really? Yeah. yeah, accidentally went. That's Dude, five finger death cunt. Oh, I the worst fucking faux pas I ever made on national radio was. Um, I'd get artists to come in and take over the show for the last hour if I wanted to just basically pre-record it and go away to a gig. 
which I used to do regularly. Mm -hmm. So if I didn't want to do requests and be in the studio, I was like, fuck, I'm going to clock off an hour early and go see like the final hour of a set. Mm -hmm. So I'd get people in the day, make a little takeover hour for the final hour. And Itch from the King Blues did a punk hour one uh, night. And one of the songs he picked was... I can't remember the fucking track, but it's a no effect song and there's a line in it and it's just acoustic guitar and Fat Mike singing. And he goes, you cunting cunt right. is a lyric. And I put this in this hour and went to the gig and was like, we And then the next day, Johnny Dean was like, did you hear that song that you put in the show? And I was like, no, no. He's like, dude, he's like, I don't think anyone's noticed. So fucking just keep your head down. But, and this is a big deal because this is like a fucking big station. Yeah. It was only like 9.20 p.m. Yeah. You cunting cunt <laughs> over just an acoustic guitar as well. So it's not like fucking someone going, right. Yeah, of course. So yeah. clear as day, you cunting cunt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's next level. Yeah. yeah. Did, you yeah. Get, did you ever get found out? I never got found out. No. Very good. Well, uh, no, no, no. I'm dobbing yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go back in a DeLorean <laughs> and dob you in. So uh, why, why, why were they the wrong people and why didn't, why didn't they take well, on the expertise of the people that <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, to be no, is that too much? I think you can just draw a line in it by saying that this exciting thing, which it was, yeah. was placed in the wrong hands. Yeah. And it was mismanaged financially and creatively, and it failed at its task. And it could have been great. But what's really fucked is, I can't remember who said this to me, but they said because of the failure of Team Rock, rock media will never get that chance again. That was was it you? It was me. No, <laughs> no, was fucking, me. no financial backers from here on in, in the UK at least, will ever give a company or a body or whatever, an individual, a bunch of cash to go and start a new radio station, yeah. TV channel, mm. website. Because, because they go, well, it. who did that last? They did. Well, look at what happened fucked, to them. Yeah. And they, they fucked it for everyone. 18 months or so. And it's fucking, and, and I'm still waiting to get paid for the last fucking yeah, two I'm months work. Every like, month or two months I'll get a new fuck do you keep getting those big documents no, is this ongoing just don't even open them now I'm still but honest. yeah but yeah it, it was it was a real fucking shame but it will never happen again but yeah exactly it never it, again. It, that, that I think that's the thing is that I expected I thought to myself surely most people are like the people that we had on the Metal Hammer podcast first mistake like mm. yeah but because of the audience that yeah. was brought and I thought, in you from know, certain people on the station. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, you know, surely those people, maybe like admittedly or in retrospect, probably the breakfast show is not the time to be pushing. Like it's not the time no, to be pushing. No, but also it's, it wasn't on <laughs> FM, was it? No, it was DAB. DAB. So were people even listening like in their cars or, because for me as well, and I guess it, again, it comes back to this point of podcasting and free format media is the world has these people who are running radio stations still now know it is over this idea of routine and this idea of, Oh, you wake up in the morning and you have your breakfast to the radio and you, you have your dinner and then you set your, your clock by fucking heartbeat or whatever. Yeah. Like people can get any information or entertainment at the fucking push of a button whenever they want it, wherever they want it now. You're not chained to so a that old, now. You're yeah. not. And so radio for that reason, I think, is dying out is because people can just go on Spotify, the playlists are there, or they can fucking just research for themselves. So they're not necessarily interested in the DJs introducing them to new music. Magazines, they're like, why would I pay five pounds to pick up this when I could just read all the shit online? It's getting um, more, more than that now. And so, and But weirdly, they're all over Netflix and the shit that's on there. That's what's just so crazy about it all, is people are just like, music's been, music's been for me devalued past the point of no return. Mm. There'll always be fans, and there'll always be good music, but I think in the mainstream media, like it's over. And even in the way people consume it, like the value of it has just been so disrespected 
That's what makes you know me what I mean? most angry about what Spotify did when they went right nine ninety nine. And Lars was all. fucking right, wasn't he? Lars he was, was right. Lars yeah. fuck, everyone gave him shit, but he fucking Lars called it way ahead of the curve. Absolutely right. And 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 for saying nine ninety nine for most of the recorded music out there, Spotify will say all, but it is most of the recorded music out there. Mm. They have devalued it to the point where now we can't go back. No, we and can't. yet people will go and spend four pounds on a coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But two coffees is an album. Yeah. yeah, that's mental. Yeah, every day, just don't have those two coffees and buy an album well, every single to, day. I used to. So my, when I went to college, I'm sure people like us do do that. Like yeah, you know, my, my I'm doing dry me... January, quote unquote. I'm not drinking during the week. It now seems <laughs> week, weekend it's on, but week is dry. And yeah. so I'm like, oh fuck, I haven't spent like fifty quid on what I would have yeah. spent on ten pints through mm. the week. When I was at college, that's my a mom couple used to of give me two pound fifty every day to get lunch, and I would spend a quid on it, and then I would buy. Yeah. I would buy a single. I I'd, did the I'd same, but try and get an I bought fags with mine. Did you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> naughty I boy. I'd no. love a fag now. I'm ran yeah. out. Yeah. Oh, this is a non-smoking house. <laughs> um, <laughs> getting drunk is one thing. Um, uh, magic up. mushrooms is another thing. <laughs> but, uh, I draw the line at cigarettes and <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but, he says between lines But do you both agree with that, that music has been devalued past the point of no return? Um, sadly, and it's not necessarily an optimistic outlook, is it? Because that was the other thing with Team Rock, is when I found out some of the fucking wages that some of those people were on for what oh, they Jesus did, Christ. I was like, oh my God, no wonder this shit failed. Mm. And and it's the same, I think, with the BBC and everyone. It's like, you know, why is the dude on the one show getting paid fucking 600 grand a year to mm. sit there and just kind mm. of be this fucking non-entity, wacky, empty, vacuous, like generic joe off the street but he's fucking. so good at being vacuous matt baker i mean there's nothing wrong with him he's not an unlikable presenter no, but there's no, no yeah, skill yeah. there really i mean that's, maybe there is a level a certain it, level like, but it's like the wage does not reflect the skill no, set absolutely not. you know i liked a lot of those people in a way but i did i do think that i've always been like when i whether i was doing stand-up comedy or being on the radio or doing this i'm always like i want you to if it was stand-up laugh at my jokes or if it was doing this, listen to the records that I tell you to listen you to. You don't want much, do you? No. Whilst, whilst <laughs> I want you to do it whilst being annoyed because you're like, I fucking hate that guy. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's some. And that's bit- that's the punk rock agitator in you, and that's why yeah. I love you, and that's what I love as well. Is if you can't see past that, like I want to. I mean, and there's so few bands doing that now. Mm. There's so few bands like pissing people off and winding people up, yeah. and like taking them outside like i love bands who literally make people feel so fucking uncomfortable but yet they want to stay for more you know like the andy mm. kaufman approach yeah i fucking mm. that's why i love that band mast intruder like they're fucking hilarious yeah, all their yeah. songs are like bubblegum pop punk but then they're on stage fucking berating the crowd and pe- and the fucking dude from gutter mouth i know you were like i was talking him up so much i was like you've got to come see gutter mouth it's the best show i've ever seen because the day before the singer had rocked up at midday two bottles of red wine in and he just got on stage, just got into his pants, and he was just fucking berating the crowd in his underwear, shit-faced drunk. And I was like, you don't see that anymore. You just don't. And it's fuck for me. That's hilarious. That's mm. entertainment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. somebody might say, that's guy with mental health problems who's just acting like a jerk. But for me, I'm like, no, yeah. that's the kind of art that I like. And, you know, it's not always intelligent. You know, no, it doesn't can, need to be. Like, yeah, I know. People, like, call me out about, oh, your journalistic integrity, and blah, blah, blah. Oh, you call yourself... Like, Just fucking people. have some fun, like, though. That was what I was going to say. The Go fucking on. guy from... Bing. The guy from Yumi at Six going, I got reviewed in The Guardian and they didn't like it. And I saw so many comments from people against this guy in The Guardian who'd basically gone to Yumi... Doing his job. Gone to Yumi at Six and gone... Don't really see anything in it, to be honest. It's not very good, And let's be honest, 
He was if right. Not, yeah, and he was right. And I remember one of the tweets was like, people were going, why would you go if you didn't like it? Because uh, like, it's my job. Why would it? a film critic go to the cinema if he didn't want to see that film? I mean, <laughs> yeah. and then write about it. I mean, what's the world yeah. coming to? And some girls, are, I'm, I'm doing a music journalism course, and they've said this is the last thing you should do is criticise it. And I was like, well, you are not a fucking, you're not in a journalistic course. Well, it depends on your but, role as a journalist, doesn't it? Like, because well, for me, I've If you're never, going to review something. I've, yeah, exactly. But that is, that's it. a critic, isn't it? Yeah. And if you are a critic, then you criticise. Yeah. Like, that's what you do. I, I think, you know, like, I came you in. You moron. Why you did that guy I, kick a ball into the net? What, is he a footballer? <laughs> well, actually, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's yeah. a footballer. And, and that's the thing. Like, I think I came into, I've said this before. I came into music journalism or whatever so late. Like, I was 31, 32. That... I just spent my entire life going, if I thought something was shit, you go, that's shit. But people were going, oh my God, he said something was shit. You are, and this is why I really like uh, warm to you very fast, is you're so refreshingly open and honest and people don't like it, do they? No. People don't like being told the truth. They would sooner (laughs) lie and sugarcoat it. And this isn't just music, gentlemen. This is life. This is everything. People, and especially online, like the way people present themselves and interact, people would sooner they just heard, yeah, that, that was great. Everything's great. It's all good. Yeah. Rather than have the truth be laid onto them. I think the industry don't like it. We've had a couple of emails already and we've have not you? even been a thing for that long, but we've had a couple of emails. We've from, not really been that bad. We, uh, we've, we've been... Uh, uh, the things that we've been... Your, to, your version of bad though. Let no, me hear no, yours. No, 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 no. But the things... <laughs> the thing, uh, you're right. The things we've been the worst to, we've had no complaints right. at all. But so certain a, people have bones to pick. Do you think? Maybe. Or? I don't know. But there have been a few times when we've had emails at least, going... At least you know they're listening. Yeah, exactly. No, right. it's, it's And then there's nothing de- worse than fucking me, not being listened it's to. It's made me delighted. The best thing about being talked about, right? Is it's, being talked well, about. Well, it, it's, it's, just, it's just made me happy because... <laughs> They you care do when you're enough. Doing something, you're provoking a reaction. They care enough about our opinion to think that it's a danger to that band, which well, is the ul- and, ultimate and compliment, isn't, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's no, amazing. It's not, like, that's the thing. Like you know, the people who are listening, I think are probably on the same page most of the time, anyway, right? Because yeah. you've both of you, for your respective fields and paths, have sort of set out your stall and made it quite clear, yeah. kind of what you like and what you don't. Yeah. So no one's going to come and listen to this podcast. Oh my god, like they're talking shit on all time low. What the hell? <laughs> it's like, well, no, we've always kind of been. I mean, if anything, not behind we try to av- we try to well, avoid. To, sorry, just not I talk mentioned about them. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, no, 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 I love no, those no, dudes. No. I remember you were saying to me, you were like, it's weird for me watching you interview all time low. Yeah. And but I love uh, Jack and Alex as people, and that, oh, okay. and that's again like why my interview approach and I guess my approach to all of it is very different to yours not better or worse just different is I'm in it for the the personalities the characters the people and those two people as humans are adorable and sweet and cool as fuck and I've had so many great interviews with them over the years and they're always great value but hard to guests. get the kind of like oh like, I would never do a podcast with yeah, them yeah yeah hard to get like the interviews you do on um, your podcast Life in the Stocks available the on stocks, Acast yeah. iTunes and Spotify Thank we were going to mention that at the end yeah. Yeah. compared yeah. to at the end, what if people have two, <laughs> two hours in now? Mention it in the intro, boy. <laughs> Those traditional formats do not allow for someone like yourself to be able to do the thing that you really want to do. And I think no, that's sad. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, well, they, they kind of did. The shows that I did on record, you know, that's half an hour with someone. And it depended hour, on the guest. talking very, very much talking oh, about... Oh, it's about the release. It's about yeah. the album. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, it's only if the release has been born out of hardship or extreme times that then there's, like, interesting stuff to talk about. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but generally... I mean, a lot of the time I won't even like say, say Jesse Leach, right? Yeah. One of my favorite episodes I've ever done. We did <laughs> a live Q&A, um, which was incredible. And that's yeah. a, people can listen to that as well. And 
I've never been open about it, but I'm not a Killswitch fan. And I think he might have a sense that that's the case because I've never really been like, I love this shit. But our connection is punk, hardcore, scar, two-tone um, movies, and then just like, I guess, mental health and just like attitude and approach to life. Yeah, And that's our connection. And so when I interview people like that, I'll happily not talk to him about his own project and he'll happily not be asked about his own project because there's so much other stuff yeah. to talk about. A lot um, of musicians like not being asked about their music because they get, have to answer the same questions over and over again yeah, anyway. Especially so, on an album cycle, like yeah, promo yeah. trail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I don't think that's a bad thing. But that's it. I mean, we were talking before we started about Scott Kelly, for example, and I did an interview with Scott Kelly and you could tell this first sort of 10 minutes and that was just about his music. But And you say that people don't, obviously, you know... Some people don't like to, or would rather talk about something else other than like what they're promoting then and there. Whereas talking to well, Scott, how much did Buzz light up at the end of that? Yeah, yeah, about yeah. films, like, suicide, about Osborne. Kubrick and stuff. He's like, oh my god, I love cinema. Oh my but, god. Buzz Osborne, like, amazing. He's just the best, isn't he? He's a great guy, but like, <laughs> just a good, bloody great guy. He is. He's fucking wicked. <laughs> he is he's the just best. so wicked. Um, but you know, again, that's another good one of yours on Life and Stocks that people should listen to. But Thank you very much, like, man. no worries. Hey, but like, Spotify, it took me, no it took me sort of twenty minutes of talking to Scott Kelly before he went. Oh fucking hell, you literally know Shrine Builder because they're jaded, and aren't they? And, and that's the other thing. Yeah, and yeah. I love, I actually love that moment. I like an interviewing to like being on a date and your goal is to try and seduce this person. Mm. It's a different kind of seduction because it's mm. about platonic, you know, mental connection as opposed to a hopeful sexual encounter at the end. Yeah. But it's the same process. Unless you're interviewing the guitarist and bowling for soup. <laughs> <laughs> They're my boys. I love yeah, yeah. them. Yeah. Um, I do love those guys to bits. But yeah, that's the process for me is like, I want to show this person that I'm informed, that I'm engaged, I'm researched. I want them to like me and through the process of that, not let their guard down because that's kind of a cynical approach, but open up and trust me yeah. enough to go, okay, I'm going to now tell you things about myself that I wouldn't tell a generic interviewee if it's a Q&A scenario mm-hmm. or I'd, interviewer. Sorry. I'd completely agree with all of that. It's the 100%. art of seduction, isn't it? Yep. You make them feel comfortable, you build up the trust, and then you get to that point and you break through that wall and yeah. then they go, here's the, the real me. Yeah. That's a really exciting moment for me. Mm. I think we've finally broken through to find the real you in this interview as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, my God, we've gone a long time. So that is... Yeah. Uh, Bang on two hours. Two hours. So I reckon... Wrap that's, it up. That's long enough, isn't it? Anything but else mate, you want to inquire about? I think that's, that's it. Thanks for well. letting me come and hijack your show as well. And I hope that your listeners have uh, enjoyed it. And I hope yeah. they haven't thought, who's this fucking chatterbox? Because I do I get a bit s- chatty. I was going to say, Matt, you know, we can have you on again at some point, I'm sure, if you don't mind coming back. I would love to. Then, then, of you course. Know, we'll, we'll Only if there's then. Rioca on offer. Or... <laughs> <laughs> bit of me, isn't it? <laughs> wait, we should have a drunk cast where, where me and Matt just get wasted. <laughs> and, well, and oh, wait a minute. We've just done that. Mop up your fucking sick after you. Hey, mate, I'm never, ever, ever sick. Can you share a story? In terms of us trolling the audience which is what we basically got to the point where we just were trolling the audience mm-hmm. weren't we because we didn't really on air as well it this was, isn't yeah, online yeah, yeah. yeah and um and we did one where i think i which came goes back, back to that andy kaufman school of comedy that I yeah love. exactly so yeah. the initial kind of the original point of what i thought in my head is because as you know i love Stuart lee and Stuart lee has said that he want his Stuart Lee's comedy vehicle was supposed to be a kind of a satire on 
stand-up comedy. Like the whole thing about Stuart Lee is supposed to be like this kind of weird satire on stand-up comedy. And I thought, I wonder if you could do that with like a, with the, the kind of... Hence the, the Chris Morris yeah, involvement. Yeah, yeah, and the Chris Morris. And, and I was like, you know, can you do that with a breakfast radio show? Can you actually take that and just do it in such a kind of subtly weird way? Like we had The Weather with God, which we didn't do in a kind of serious way at all. We was like, like, oh, I'm God! Like all these explosions and fucking thunderbolts <laughs> yeah. going and off. We, like, <laughs> and we kind of came up with all these kind of what would be sort of... Because obviously he creates the weather, doesn't he? So yeah, like, yeah, why would course. you not do that as yeah, a game? So we kind of wanted to have all these kind of stupid, cheesy ideas, but do them in a way that where like we were like, satirizing yeah, they were, they were, they, it all goes radio. wrong and it's rubbish. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and, um, and, and then with a couple of kind of bits where I do go serious and talk about, oh, I really like music, et cetera, et cetera. We kind of gave oh, up on that. Curb Dog in particular. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we kind of gave up on that fairly quickly, but there was... Because the audience the people wasn't were going understanding like, the yeah, humour at like, all. Yeah, they just were like, I don't get it. What, what is this? I don't get it. But what they would get is, I think it was one week when I was away and we, were, we weren't on air and they had had a oh God, last week was so funny when the other guys are in there. They're so hilarious. And it was like, they just, just go like, you said a thing from a tv show ha, 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 ha. and i was like i don't believe so we were like well if you're going to talk about vacuous- like casting pearls before swine yeah. that's how we're like, you're going to talk about just laugh at vacuous shit um you went oh um what um what did you do on your your uh your week off to me and i said well the other day i went to my mum's and i stopped in a service station and was driving back from my mum's and uh, they were selling a wooden duck but it was reduced to 10 pounds and I was like how much would you reduce how much would you pay in the first place for a wooden duck and we were like so that's today's phone in how much would you pay so we did a phone the lines are open we did an hour just chatting about like how much you would pay for a wooden duck right and a woman phoned in who used to phone in all the time and be like he was I just one of those some annoying twat who phoned in and went can you two stop talking about can you two stop talking about wooden ducks it's not why are you talking about wooden ducks on the radio and it's like well because if we try and do like I remember one day some producer died and uh, so I'm like very I can't remember who it was but someone who had been um who'd produced loads of really great records had died and we were doing a sort of tribute and we were going you know like who are you, who's your favourite producer and we'll play you know give a tweet us about who your favourite producer is and we'll play producer, from eh? there and they were just like Ugh, and some, some kid had like and that was the same day as we'd done the, the, they'd done like a sort of survey of Team Rock and loads of people sent it in and gone likes and they'd gone oh I like the bit where the, the man's from up north and, <laughs> and then and then you played Five don't Finger, be so London centric and then you played Five Finger Death Punch um, and then they're like dislikes and so many of them were like Stephen Hill Stephen Hill I hate Stephen Hill he's too London centric he's, he's too oh. London centric he's not funny he does it and I was like oh and we were supposed to do these interviews with these people who had sent these things in and I went I want to do one with someone who has gone Gone in, gone in on, gone you, yeah. in on me. Right. And we got this guy live on air. Right. And I basically went, okay, so you say you like this and da, 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 and you're from, you do that for an Oh, that's nice. And he, that the guy an, obviously didn't know this was coming. So mm. Steve's like and luring went, him into this false sense of security went, to begin dislikes, with. Guess, but, so he went, Stephen Hill is obnoxious <laughs> and not funny. And I was like, oh, oh. that's awkward, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. And, and then, the guy's like, no, 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 no. Oh, I didn't you mean it. I didn't yeah, mean it. I didn't mean it. And I was like, mm. <laughs> I think he And we, yeah, I sort of kind of mugged him off on air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. And who the fuck does that? And then who mugs their own fucking audience on air? We put about two 
minutes before, about two songs before. So when did the station shut played, down, really? Yeah, about, <laughs> about two songs before, we played Five Finger Death Punch. And I went, look, mate, you know, I phoned you up. I don't really want to do this, but I'm going to give you a request because I meant I have to, like, even though you don't deserve one at all. What do you want? I went, um, what, what do you want? And he went, oh, can I have Five Finger Death Punch? And I went, I mean, we've literally just played that two songs ago, mate, so I'm not going to play Five Finger Death Punch again. And he went, oh... Uh, um, and I went I went oh not as easy not as easy as it looks as it is Radio Lark is it not as easy as it looks thinking on your feet and that yeah. for one other band in the world yeah and yeah we really mugged him off and I think that was the same day as we did the producer don't know thing. we you yeah, let's be honest yeah. it was me it was me yeah and um, yeah and that was the same day as we done the producer thing and he said something about oh his content is vacuous and meaningless no yeah. oh we've just done a tribute to a, a producer who's passed away I'm sorry you find that uh, pain tribute to someone who created such so much great music I'm sorry that you consider that to be so vacuous <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was relentless man I'm sure he's relentless on uh, this as well oh yeah, yeah. Here's, oh, yeah. Here's, here's my favourite memory in retort and uh, this is the best shit ever so I started trying to take Steve outside of the music world and get him to interview oh, like TV personalities and people like that mm-hmm. and because um, it's a breakfast show so you think right let's mm-hmm. mix it up and so we got an interview with Michael Fish, the weatherman. <laughs> what? <laughs> because yeah. we, we had this PR contact who worked for this film production company. And so they basically have most of the time actors or directors or writers involved with the project. Yeah. But this was a fucking like disaster movie, like, you know, it was a tornado movie. It was a tornado okay, movie, yeah. right? And they couldn't obviously get anyone from the film. So like, Michael Fish does weather, doesn't he? <laughs> should we should we get him in as the, the tornado <laughs> expert? <laughs> <laughs> so, and I think we were the most hyped for that above anyone, weren't we? Yeah. It was so good. And so <laughs> he's deadly serious, right? It's fucking the best shit. I'm in the background, like trying to hold back the tears. And it's Michael Fish, obviously talking about the severity of global warming and all this stuff. And he's like, yeah, I, I really, I, I fear this. This is and Steve. I was like, is that something you fear? Is it Michael? And he's like, yeah. And he goes off on this whole bit. And Steve's just there. Like, I'll tell you what, it's about, I'll tell you what, it was straight. about tornado chasing. And I said, would you ever taste, chase a tornado, yeah, yeah. Michael? And he was like, well, no, because it would it, was, it rips up houses. And da, 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 da. if we, one came in, in this country and the devastation it would do would be absolutely appalling. And I went, is, uh, is that something that you fear, Michael? And Matt just snorted in the background. Is that something you fear? And he was like, well, no, no, I don't think the, the conditions in the, the UK could ever reach that. But it, <laughs> it was the greatest shit in the world. And then we were like, right, joining us on The Breakfast Show tomorrow, it's Michael the Fish Fisher. <laughs> it was fucking genius. Oh, my God. It was so good. It was the best shit. And then the picture of the TV I took at the end, he's just there. Like, <laughs> that was a highlight for he me. Hated me didn't he? he did. <laughs> he really hated it. By me. the end, he knew that it was a mug off. <laughs> How could you not? <laughs> so oh, good. Great. Well, anyway. I've, I've got some new ideas for Riot Act now. Yeah. That's good. We'll get. But some I am a serious journalist. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No more vacuous content from you, Stephen. No. Is that yeah. something you fear? Yeah. <laughs> uh, mate, thanks for coming on. Been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you have a podcast, don't you? You've not mentioned it so far. The iTunes chart topping life in the stocks, no less. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so there's 85 episodes up there for people ah. to enjoy, um, and there's everyone from Be Real to Gene Simmons. John Lydon, uh, Thomas Turgos from This Is England. Very nice. Uh, Tom Green, uh, Gail Porter. Um, Doug, oh, Stanhope. Was Doug Stanhope. That was, um, but yeah, there's been loads of emotional ones. There's been tears from a few people. Mina Caputo was a pretty heavy and amazing yeah. one. Um, Kevin Kerslake, did you hear that one yet? No, I'm not. So, dude, he's your guy. So he directed music videos for um, yeah, yeah, Sonic Youth, Nirvana, Faith No More, Chili Peppers, 
all those 90s bands all of them and um yeah that we went on for like two hours in that mm. one and the three main collaborators in his life were chris cornell kurt cobain scott wyland mm. yeah so loads of stuff actors musicians comedians it's good etc um thank you for the kind words sorry mate thank you for the wine and um keep doing what you're doing as well it's nice to see uh this kind of i think doing what you always wanted to do originally right and actually try and make intellectual comments on music that you love yeah this with is humor of, and fun under, yeah, there's, under, there's, under, there's, undercutting it there's a bit of bit of fun in it isn't there? A, little bit. a bit of fun and yeah, it's nice to meet you dude yeah Absolute pleasure. pleasure to meet you Absolute well, anyway. pleasure. thank you for uh you teaming up with my boy and joining forces <laughs> teaming up to create with the boy something. <laughs> that's fine create something my special <laughs> um, oh i'm so proud of my boy all right no, anyway i am dude feels oh, like we're just wanking each other off now so maybe this is a time to stop it yeah i think you should all right well mate um come back soon and um we'll uh we'll keep an eye on each other. I will do. I'm off to meet Boz Bora for Guinness, innit? Of course, you are. Of course I am.